off the ball. That was serious. He was furious. He wanted his net. Just won the World Cup. You won't let me clip a little panel of net. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. Half past seven, Friday morning, OTB AM. Adrian here, Shane there. Good morning to you, Shane. Morning, Adrian. Morning, folks. That shirt is, uh, again, an abomination. Fair play to you. Jojo, Jojo likes it. You also seem to have, like, a uh, wardrobe full of these things. Oh, they're like... Like, there doesn't seem to be a lot on repeat, like. Yeah, I've only just moved back up to Dublin, so I actually have to bring up the vast majority of More to come. Oh, like, I've only scraped the... Where are you getting them? The iceberg here. Um, Proper quality clothes stores, Adrian. Like... Charity shops do kind of this yeah. kind of field, you know. Stuff from the 60s. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, it, it make, it's a Friday field. How would you, for people who are, who are light and airy this morning? It's kind of like um, something from Narcos. It's not the maybe. material that I'm so concerned about. It's just yeah, it's, uh, it's an abomination. Like it is kind of, it's like a 1980s Mexican cartel leader kind of vibe. <laughs> is there any sort of a shirt that you wouldn't wear? There probably isn't. You just uh, whatever's going like. Yeah, that the yeah. the level of shirt I wouldn't wear is certainly a uh, no. I'd, I'd be I wouldn't be picky with the shirt as yeah. you can tell. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, the statement is blindly obvious this morning. Yeah. Um, so we were uh, so much to get to this morning. We've another packed show for you coming your way over the next couple of hours. Uh, the monster match we can, we need do need to touch on off the top because yeah. like it was it's just something so special about monster. Um, what would you call them? Like uh, that sort of exhibition game with that touring party. Like that obviously speaks to history at the club. And I was at the Maori game a few years ago down there. And like you're sort of turning up, not really. There's a real like uh, um, Paddy Patterson was talking about it after the game last <laughs> night. He was talking about a lot of stuff. He did. He's using lots of pretty language that we might not sort of repeat this morning. Of course. But um, there was a that sort of element of the pressure been off and been at the Maori game for years ago in Thomond Park it definitely felt like that with the crowd going in there wasn't the that anticipation of you know needing a result or mm. you know the outcome or whatever it was like it's an exhibition game and everybody's expo- excited about it as an event and they certainly seem to replicate that in double the numbers at yeah. Parky Creeve last night I was surprised when they, when they said that that they, uh, the pressure was off I was like Jesus because before the game, I was like, "Well, the pressure's on here. You've got forty-one thousand sellout of fans at a, at a game that look is historic, regardless of you know it's not a URC game that means something in terms of points. But these players will will remember that night for the rest of their lives. They knew that in advance of the game, and Roundtree even said it to them apparently before the match that right. I, I wish, wish I was in your position, you know. Um, so there was a weight of expectation, you'd imagine, but they stood up to it. I mean, and, and like you talk about the occasion, like to even I remember that was it the last. Last five minutes, they won the scrum penalty mm-hmm. inside their own 22 and just the absolute release of emotion. Uh, and then you hear them all chatting monster in the crowd and, and the fields of Athen Rai and Zombie comes on after the match. There was a, there was a special feel to it. Oh, there was. Like you say, I mean, look at that, that last scrum turnover and the five minutes that followed where there was like little wins within that mm. where it felt like everyone felt like, okay, that's the one that means we're getting over the line. <laughs> and then suddenly they never get the ball back. But that was a real, and the, like the, the hugging, the tour, the tour on the pitch after ah. the game, the interviews afterwards, it was clear like really what it meant to them. And you just have to hope. And there was a lot of, um, chat that was filling obviously the, um, the the analysis of the game afterwards that like this needs to be the point where you know they play Connacht in a couple of weeks time yeah. that push on it's gra- you know it's fine and like it is obviously a thing that goes down in history and it's yet another big um, um, one of these events that Munster have come out on the right side of but like ultimately 
I do think a big part of the narrative was that, like, you know, um, Jack Dunne was talking after us, that was the first block of games, the, you know, it was the end of the first block of games, it was the end of the first block of training, it was a new system, people were starting to get up to speed, that it wasn't like, oh, we've just upped our game so much yeah. to come and beat South Africa, that, like, no, this is us, this, we're here now, yes. and we've landed. That's where they belong. You, um, you just have to hope that, yeah, when Connacht come to town and when the games that follow that, that, that actually, and look, it's not to say, I'm sure there'll be more blips in the road, there has yeah. to be. They have to push on from here. Yeah. They just have to. And I think Roundtree was kind of keen to, to stress that after the game. They'll, they'll enjoy this for what it is. But when you think of all the players that they had missing, like you no know, Bear, no Murray, no Casey, it's not a South African uh, solid starting usual 15, but it's a very, very strong South African A team. Um, and like even our own Stephen Kisby Green was, was quite confident heading down last night. Oh. Like the, the, when he saw the South African team versus the Munster lineout, you're thinking, and he was certainly thinking, this is a. South African team that should get a win well look at and the thing is we're glossing over the fact that South Africa had a hat full of yeah. tries that were like literally a <laughs> centimetre from being over the line and like a couple of those started to go started to go their way and yeah. a bit of momentum swings so it wasn't like look at I know the scoreline suggested a fairly big gap to, but it didn't feel like that really in terms of the game no uh, to see and then like the likes of Simon Zebo scoring a goal or scoring a try in the like as a cork man I can only imagine how special that would be. Yeah. Like we, we talked about it to Mosulary yesterday, talking about the the what what it might do for rugby in Cork. Because I mean, it's it's clearly massive in America, and it's big in Cork anyway. But well, there it is might that split. more of it back down to Cork. Will Possibly. be one certain outcome of this. I mean, like if you can get forty one thousand jammed in there, like will they turn out for a URC game? Will they turn out? I'm sure they will turn out for like a, you know, as a high profile Heineken Cup game coming up down the tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, surely they turn out for that. Like, I mean, that. I know it's funny having lived through the time where Munster were split between Cork and Limerick, <laughs> and there was a huge amount of conflict about that at that time. Mm. That they were essentially created by design two different camps, and a big part of the success of modern Munster is that they've put all that into one, and everybody accepts that it's not two camps anymore if you're playing for Munster you're based in Limerick and that's just the way it is Yes, uh, having lived through all of that and done all of that to be kind of suggesting that well it wouldn't be bad actually if they went back up the road I still have to stand by the fact that looking at that last night <laughs> it wouldn't be bad if they went back up the road a couple of times a season they could, they could go to Parky Cueve plenty more after mm. that last night I mean the atmosphere seemed to be brilliant through the TV you could feel it Yeah, um, and, and that was one thing we kind of what we I suppose there was there was no doubt that the atmosphere was going to be good because we 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 spoken about it all week that you know ordinarily it's a GEA match in, in uh, Parky Cueve and it, the kind of support is split even if it is Cork against say Tip mm. the support is fairly split down the middle um, for a game last like that last night where you have un- overwhelming support for for Munster it just creates mm. something around the stadium that you just you couldn't get. Elsewhere, you get it in Thelman Park, of course, but there was the novelty factor, and, yeah. and even Roundtree saying before the game, didn't want the players to walk out onto the pitch and even train there before the game. Okay. The kickers obviously got their chance to, to kind of kick and get used to the stadium, but wanted the players' first uh, feeling of walking out there to be too zombie as they were walking out for the match, which which added to the probably the the sense of occasion for the players mm-hmm. like they must have been just sitting in the dressing room here and the crowd going this is this is different and there were players as well who wouldn't have got the opportunity if those internationals with Munster were, were all there so like yeah. you're looking around at some of the players even when they're they're like shaking hands with the South Africans at the end of the game 
usually when you're shaking hands with the losing team, I guess you're trying to stay composed and keep your face straight. But they couldn't wipe the smile off their faces. They were it was they were just and it represents a big chance, of course, and an opportunity to have proved themselves on yeah. that sort of a level as well on a personal level. Hundred percent. Uh, Richard Redball's in touch said forty one thousand bandwagoners like most of the Cork rugby fans, which is a quite a, a, a point of comment. But the reality is, listen, for any game like that, like you can't tell me that the. 45,000 that turned up for uh, Leinster Munster a couple of weeks ago at the Aviva oh, that yeah. they're hard died, but they weren't sorry I was at the game and there's plenty of people around me who rarely go to a game have not much of appreciation what's going on at the pitch who cares they, you need them to turn up yeah, yeah. like the, the 82,000 that turn up for an All-Ireland final there's a lot there are plenty of bandwagoners there you, you can't fill stadiums without bandwagoners Richard Redwalls so that's the reality that's so I wouldn't be too uh, I mean for most people at All-Ireland finals it's their first game of the championship I wouldn't say like for most, but for, for a lot of people. Like well, all the neutral fans, for sure. Because yeah. there's a lot of tickets to go to. It can be. No, it can be. Neutral County. So, like but last night, yeah, I'm sure it was the first game of the, of the season for a lot of Munster fans. But yeah. So and you, what? You, want to see, you do want to see the fans who want a ticket to be able to get to the game. I think yeah. There's no, like, the, the proper fans who were there for the McGrath Cup or whatever you're having yourself. Yeah. But, like, having said that, you just don't fill those stadiums without, without all the bandwagoners. You remember your first game, like, I remember my first game for the Republic of Ireland national football team, and, and it was against Andorra in a World Cup qualifier in, in 01. And, and you never forget that. But imagine those Munster kids going going there last night and forevermore their first game was yeah. we beat South Africa in Parky Cueve. Mm. Who cares if it was South Africa? Yeah, those those facts will be lost in the realms of history but it just was a magical moment and for any anyone under the age of 12 there like that, what a special ah, what a special yeah, occasion to be part of. I so. brought my two uh, eldest two to the Munster Leinster game right. at the Aviva so I'm sorry it wasn't their first game by any stretch of imagination. But they were wearing blue of course though. Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Why would they be wearing out of the Gelshen? Well, yeah, fair enough. You know? that, that was a sense of occasion as well. But those, as you said, you're you're not going to come anywhere close to a, a sold out stadium without. You're not. A, a large majority of 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 fair weather fair weather fans. Um, we've loads to come. We're going to talk, touch on United in a second as well. But here's a bit of a flavour of what's coming up on the show for you this morning. As I said, it is a stack show. Shane Keegan's going to come into us in a few minutes' time, and he's going to talk to us about the uh, Republic of Ireland squad, obviously named during the week. Uh, we might get his thoughts on United as well, and a few other bits and bobs too. Martin Lipton will talk to us about the England squad that was named yesterday a couple of maybe smallish kind of surprises uh, but an interesting dynamic nonetheless so we'll get into the teeth of that including Marcus Rashford who continues to kick the lights out uh, again last night and uh, the chances of him starting for England in the World Cup we'll tell you what's happened across the back pages about half past eight Alan Quinlan we'll have much more chat about Porky Cueve with him last night and obviously the Fiji game to look ahead to as well so plenty there and Siobhan Doyle who has written this uh, cracker little, little book it's called uh, History of the GA in 100 Objects that's the one and it's a great read that you can pick up every now and then and dip into and it is does exactly what it says in the tin so that'll be coming your way just after nine this morning so we'll bring all that to you uh, United last night Shane mm. they are uh, they're back and <laughs> I mean they kind of are yeah like are they? first half was was putrid um, <laughs> and then the second half really came into life I mean Reacting to adversity as well, scoring 19 seconds after Villa had scored, which is something you don't see United, you know, usually the heads go down and whatever else. And to compare it to last Sunday's game at Villa Park, it was just apples and oranges. I mean, it was completely different performance. Mm. Anthony Martial and Peter Schmeichel pointed this out after the game. Anthony Martial worked really hard for his goal. Like, he, put, he ran forward yeah. waiting for Bruno's ball in. And that's not something you see from, from Anthony Martial ever. Like, uh, hard work has never been his, his forte. So, uh, to see him in form, Marcus Rashford was imperious. Um, he was brilliant. Mm. And I, look, maybe the, the, the playing the day, the England squad is named for the World Cup, oh. filled with confidence, maybe. But the, go- the goal that he took. I took it so well. But the, the way that he took it. Yeah. There was. 
three or four things that could have easily gone wrong, right? Yeah. Nobody would have said, oh, that was, geez, you know, if only just... Strength. No, nobody would have blamed him too much for it because, no. like, there was, was it Mings firing himself across? Like, yeah. Who knows what happens there? But the little deft, oh. of deft touches, the, the speed of thought that it took to react in that exact instant yeah. and the quality of the composure to stop and take the finish, he, that's glad as... I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen him play with such confidence yeah he took it remarkably well and he's yeah. stronger I was saying to you before we come on air like he, he looks to me like he's been in the gym quite a bit he looks stronger um, he looks more mentally there as well He just he, he's in a good place I think you see Alejandro Garnacho come on for the last mm. half hour and he's brilliant two assists yeah. like his ball in from a Tom and his goal and injury time was incredible mm. uh, he just has confidence and he was crap in Villa Park last week mm. but then he comes back and bounces back and makes his half hour worthwhile um, like yeah there's probably a couple of downsides um, I think the Donny van de Beek project is over like he started the last three games yeah. just by chance because there's been injuries or or, or, mom, or players out that he that he ordinarily wouldn't be ahead of uh, that project I think needs to come to an end I, I feel sorry for van de Beek he seems like a nice guy and he went off to Everton and like <laughs> Jesus. I know Donny wakes up this morning and he's flicking through his Twitter feed and we pop oh, up and he's I like he's, I'm a nice guy geez, your man in the shirt is saying I'm a nice guy yeah, this, this is this dodgy shirt Irishman it's time to leave yeah but I, I would, like, what I mean by that is like I was at Old Trafford for United nil Liverpool 5 last season and I was in the press box and all the fans in the stadium were gone and the one man left on the pitch doing runs upon runs with the United fitness coach was Donny van de Beek and he hadn't got on and other unused substitutes weren't doing what he was doing okay. and he was out like he, he has a work ethic and you see that he's trying really hard mm. but he's just he's not he's not t- technically talented enough to play well, for United you, we talk about Rashford been reacting to the confidence that's flown through him at the minute I mean, like, yeah. well Van de Beek has never really been given the proper he might have hoped with Ten Hag coming in that oh great this is going to be we'll get a connection here and this will be my yeah. time to shine and it hasn't really happened for him and now he's been thrown a few games not really by his own design. No. In that environment, like it is very difficult. He never, when the auditor was in, the auditor wasn't wasn't giving him a look in either. No. And what does that? Do? His confidence must be on the floor uh, after a couple of years of that. Yeah, and and look, I've been his big. I've been a big proponent of him. I've been like, give him time. He needs yeah. a chance and, and a proper run in the team. But he's had he's had a couple of those. It's over now. Like he, I don't know where he's headed, but Donny, unfortunately, it's it's into the sunset for Donny. Like I don't know where he's going. And even Ronaldo, uh, illness last night kept him out of the squad. Which very uh, well, was good he timing, wasn't reasons it? Reasons that. There was like that swing in three or four days. Well, there you go. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know. I was that very, too much of a stretch? Uh, like him not being there? I, potentially, because he started against Villa last weekend. And That's again, what I mean, like. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, but then a couple of games before that, he was good. Do you know? So it, uh, it's just one of those uh, things. He's, I think get, get him out of there, Shane Watts. Yeah, potentially. Busted flush. And like, I don't think he was... Like, a card. Uh, he's like, he's a card, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what... Look, illness, uh, you know, the second last game before the World Cup when he is completely focused on, on the Portugal uh, uh, assault on that tournament... Um, I would be I wouldn't be surprised at all if he happens to still be sick on Sunday for the Fulham game. Mm. Do you know? All right. He's straight. It's one of those. His it's brain, one of those, I think. His brain's on the plane. If we were on Talksport, we'd say no, it's one of those. Yeah. Uh, Duncan McGagan, good morning to you, Duncan. Says the National Cup final lands on road this Sunday, lads. If you're stuck for something to talk about after the rugby friendlies in the English League Cup, it's a fair point. And I should have mentioned when we're talking to Shane, obviously, a little bit. We'll Shane Keegan, we'll be talking to him about that, of course. O'Shane Brady says the match uh, was great, but the big screen needs upgrading. I'm assuming he's talking about last night. 
uh, it's ridiculously small, wouldn't look out of place in your living room, Adrian. I mean, I think he's doing my living room a serious service there. But um, <laughs> if you were at the game last night, um, send us in your thoughts. Would you go back for more rugby, more uh, different sports? A Porky Cueve certainly seems to be the uh, um, general uh, response to it last night. One of the other things we wanted to mention, Shane, top of the show today, it definitely caught my eye during the week, was the John Aldridge comments. He was on with Robbie Fowler and Nathan at a show during the week, and he was talking about, like, why is there not a... Um, Statue of Jack Charlton at the Aviva. Yeah. And it was just, it was, I've never once considered before the, the idea of having any statue at the Aviva Stadium. And then suddenly it was like, well, as soon as it's said, you're like, how has nobody mentioned that before? Why is this yeah. not a real central topic of conversation for somebody who was such a, who did so much, who transcended the sport? Yeah. Like very few other people have, tr- it was like, right, that actually, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And a Jack Charlton statue would work anywhere in Ireland. Uh, it work. It would work anywhere in the middle of Dublin as well. But but Viva Stadium is the obvious place to put it. So the obvious then thing was like, well, you probably. So if we were to start off with let's say four statues at the Viva Stadium, like I know we're not going to go and get them all minted in one fell swoop, but like if we put a bit of a plan in place for four, yeah. statues at the Viva Stadium, and who would they be? What pose would they have? And also, like I, do, I think the only sort of. Uh, advisory around it would be like that you want to have people who will stand the test of time like that it's not that they've achieved <laughs> he's like he's thinking oh what who do I put on my the, list the, the ones I, just, I put on my list from last night yeah could be I think that like you know you just don't want their achievements at some point to be surpassed right yeah you know what I'm saying I do so I like do, at that I point do. then it's like okay you know that person who achieved that thing well now that's done and so that's been surpassed and so do we so we automatically have to put on the statue with the new it's just it's a it's a bit of a it's a hard one to get right, like. Yeah, okay. So I had to think about this. I had to think about this last night. And if I was to pick four, you, you, yeah, you split it halfway between soccer and, I think and, you and have rugby, to, don't I think you? That's I mean, there's, there's no doubt there. Um, there's going to be a, a hell of a lot of recency bias in this. A oh, hell yeah. of a lot. Um, Who are you for? So I was thinking of football. I agree with Jack Charlton. Look, that's hardly controversial. Yeah. You have to put him down. Uh, and Paul McGrath, mm. Ireland's greatest ever player. Johnny Giles is probably mm. unlucky to miss out. Uh, and then in the rugby terms, I've gone for Brian O'Driscoll and Paul O'Connell. Mm. Titans of the game, right? Wow. But then I was thinking, okay, if you want to make statues of moments, and I actually think this would be... You now, you've put me off by saying people who stand the test of time. But I think if, you, if you're going to pick four statues that sum up four moments that made the, mm. the Viva Stadium or Lansdowne Road come alive, you're doing a statue of McAteer against the Dutch well it's a shout wheeling away you're doing a statue so you're, you're, you're eventually you're essentially coming up with eight statues is that what you're doing is this, your well, this, is, my, this is my preferred four okay at the moment that, that's my preferred four so uh, well, what is your actual are you going for McAteer I'm, in your g- I'm going four? for McAteer okay yeah wow yeah I'm going for moments as opposed Jesus to people Jesus right uh, now obviously McAteer doesn't stand the test of time in comparison to McGrath or Charlton I get that uh, so I'm going with that I'm going with uh, the Shane Long's strike going past Manuel Neuer so some sort of pose okay. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you'd need two statues there. You need, you'd need Neuer. Like you do. Neuer. You kind of need the stretch. You know, wouldn't you? You do. Yeah. You do. Just to add to it, um, you need, you're going to need Stockdale's try against the All Blacks. Uh-huh. You have to. Ireland yeah. beat the All Blacks in that stadium. Stockdale lit the place alight. Mm. Uh, and you're going to have. Uh, so I was trying to think of the other big moments. Peter Mahoney's lineout steal in 2017 against England to stop mm. the win of the Grand Slam. That was the 13-9 game. Um, mightn't be a, as famous a moment as the other three, yeah. but just the image of Peter O'Mahony jumping up, stealing a line-out, would be quite a, 
intimidating statue mm-hmm. and one I'd like to think England fans visiting for a Six Nations oh, that's game a good point, would, actually, yeah. would have a little moment and go oh Jesus a little shudder at the thought of it now you could have a tiny little statue somewhere in a hidden corner of Ryan Crotty going over the line in the corner oh, no, we, Just, uh, we don't really want that um, so I, I'm going to go with Stockdale Shane Long McAteer and Peter O'Mahony and then obviously one of J- Jack Charlton as the, the bonus Fifth. No, you've gone for five there. That was not. You've totally Fifth misunderstood people. the assignment. I but, have. Uh, yeah. I mean, the moments thing. I mean, I get you. And the McIntyre one was definitely one that jumped to mind for me. Where you're like, oh, that really was. It has to big. be. But I think it's more about. I've focused less on moments. Remind more about people. people. And Jack, you just can't get past. I think there's. Uh, I think if you were to do up a survey, if you were to survey the country, mm. maybe that's not a bad idea. Survey the country about who should have a statue there. I think Big Jack there because he totally transcended yeah. uh, everything and um, did so much for that sport in this country and brought us the glory days. Yeah, so we never yeah. have the walking stand roundabout. Um, Put it there. That's that's actually not the worst shot. Right I've in heard. the middle of the walking stand roundabout. Anyway, we're putting him. He's a banker. Right, and I think the pose is leaning on the um, uh, dugout. Was it? Was it? It stuck out eighty eight. Was it? And there was a a real, not even a trickle, but like a raw emotion about him at that point, given who they were playing and the Ray Houghton goal. I think that that sort of like arms folded, kind of leaning against the uh, dugout with the flat cap on and a bit of a you know emotional look in his face. If you can capture that in a statue, fair. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, Robbie Keane. I think he's got to be there. I think that like it's certainly one that challenges the idea that the defeat could be surpassed at some point. But I do think that it'll stand the test of time. The goals he looking back at it yesterday, he scored a couple of goals against Malta. Uh, the first goals he scored at Lansdowne Road in in uh, ninety eight, and they were very uh, typical of what became Robbie Keane. One was like a real poacher's goal, yeah. three yards out on the turn, bit of a flick into the net. So that's the area you want coming at the box at an angle and passing a couple of players and. And, and 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 passing the ball into lovely little okay. little goal in the cartwheel but, pose, and then he did the cartwheel afterwards. I don't think he'll have the cartwheel pose. I think it's more of him leaning back, taking a shot. Oh, I think you have to do the cartwheel. But then pose. he'd be upside down. <laughs> we'll do him as he's just coming up from the cartwheel. How do you? I don't know how you do that. <laughs> it's like I'm no a sculptor, but like so. I think you'd have Robbie Keane right. He scored forty times at Lansdowne Road as well, and I think you have him in that leaning back pose. Brian O'Driscoll, I agree with. Um, what do you say about this guy? Just like the absolute all rounder of an Irish rugby player. Yeah. I'd have him probably slightly ahead of Paul O'Connell in the um, in the in the list of who should have a statue at. Um, at, at the Aviva I think that like the tries the line breaks the inspiration the turnovers the you know yeah. um, forward play a lot of the time uh, inspiration leader and a serial winner as well later in his career um, in terms of the pose there's a lot of options here but I think something of him breaking a tackle is right, probably yeah, captures yeah, him yeah. holding out the hand the ball in the something chest. like Fair. that maybe yeah, 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 like yeah. squeezing between two players or um, so I think you've got to go for Brian O'Driscoll I'm resisting the recency bias and I'm going for Jack Kyle Right, yeah, I think fair. that like you do have, need to have a bit of a tip, tip of the cap, and both my rugby and football list then would have that. Yeah, um, yeah, one of each kind of thing. Like you know, ne- clearly you know, very. I certainly have never uh, seen him play in 1948. Grand Slam winning captain, and by all accounts from everybody who saw him play, was a real inspiration leader on the pitch as much as anything else in terms of his playing style and all that. So we'll bring we'll bring some interest. Like people, a lot of young, most young people wouldn't know who Jack Kyle is. So having yeah. a statue, of I don't think that's important. Daddy, I think there's that? a tip exactly a tip yeah. of the cap to the past. Vera, Vera Powell's obviously going to get one when they win the World when Cup. When they win the World Cup, I think and that's, when that's inevitable. Not before time they get to play. Or it would probably be more likely be. Denise or Katie, wouldn't it? Like, that'd be the reality. If yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever scores the winner in the World Cup final. Yeah. We'll get yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, Paul McGrath, 
like I think uh, jumping ahead the ball clear maybe something like that yes yeah yeah like, these these are notable mentions now I, I I don't mind saying it so you're allowed to, you're allowed more than four I didn't no no I've got my four I've right, got my four okay. on the list Shane yeah, yeah, very yeah, clear yeah. Uh, Ray Houghton okay yeah about to chip Paluca and yeah. um, you know uh, Paul O'Connell Keith Wood Keith Wood yeah yeah. Deserves uh, a mention for sure. He does. Giles is a very good shout, I must say. Yeah, I mean Giles will be disappointed not to be there. He'll be he'll be gutted with that one. But he's he's won plenty of awards and I, I think we've we've come up with a decent list. I think that's not a bad list. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, there's loads of shouts coming in, so we're gonna loop back to those a little bit later on. Uh one for Roy Keane here as well, who neither of us has mentioned so far. The handshake with Mike McCarthy. With neither if, of them with neither looking at each other. That would be the If Buig was here, um he'd need to say to be just four Cork people, but it would um, be, yeah, yeah. Shane Keegan, good morning to you. How are you going on, Adrian? I can't believe you're going for Ray Houghton, Chip and Paliuka rather than Ray Houghton scoring against England. Well, look at as a pose, as a pose. That's it. <laughs> I mean, they'd be they will be slightly different poses. What do you think? Who would you have? Ah, uh, yeah, no, you're pretty good there. Hard to you touched on him there at the end. It would be very, very hard to leave out, leave out Paul McGrath in my eyes now. All right, yeah. Jesus, he he was absolutely something else, incredible, and just always comes across as such a fantastic fella as well. You know, yeah, and transcended the sport as well. Like culturally, he's just such an icon. Absolutely, and I think even the even the book, to be fair, the book with, with with Vincent added to his legacy as well because it was it was such an outstanding book. It's it's rare that somebody of that stature has a book that does their stature justice. You know. Yeah, we can have him reading the book as a constant marketing. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, listen, there's loads to get to. Uh, somebody was making the point earlier on that we need to ask you about the FA, FAI Cup final. Clearly, we'll do that, and uh, the Ireland squad we want to talk to you about as well. Were you watching United last night? I saw bits of it. All right, yeah, I was kind of flicking around. Um, Ah, look, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be reading too much into. Would you not? Look, if, if, if they had their way, if they had their way, Adrian, they would have had the two results the other way around. Simple as that. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. You know, they would have took the, they would have took the points last weekend over, over the win last night. But so the problem with them at the moment, obviously, is they're just that, that little bit too much Jekyll and Hyde to, to really properly challenge up around those, those Champions League spots. They need to, to develop a little bit more consistency. But at the same time, to be fair, there's no doubt they're moving in the right direction. He has, you know, he has done a pretty good job since he's gone in there, you know. Was that like when you talk about that sort of Jack and Hyde aspect of it, like, because I think there's no more than the Munster conversation we we're having a bit earlier on, like every good result or every good performance results in the fans going, great, this is it, we've got it now. And then who knows what happens the next time. But obviously there was a whole pile of selection changes last night from the, from the previous game. Was it down to that? Or is there a more nuanced tactical aspect to it from what you, from what you saw last night? Oh, look, I think, I think you know, again, it w- probably was down to that. It, it's very hard to get cohesion when you're making that many changes. To be honest, I actually thought it was, for an EFL game, it was a reasonably strong lineup. Um, in fairness, so he was, I suppose he's got a, he's got a lot of good players there that he's trying to, trying to keep happy. Um, and that will be a big help to them. But on, on the wider thing with their, their, their Jekyll and Hyde, I, I suppose, like, they're definitely, definitely improved. There's no doubt whatsoever they're improved. I suppose the problem is you still couldn't say you could trust them. You know, like if if, if I was throwing chain, chain bet there, if I was throwing a, a 50 quid on, on a week's bet, it'd be very rare I'd pick United because for the three out of four decent performances they're given, there's always one kind of clangor likely to be thrown in there as well. So it's where obviously you look at, at City and Arsenal at the moment and, you know, it's almost impossible to see a game in which they're not going to win. The two of them are, are tipping along so nicely. Um and that's it. And look, look, they're not the only one. You know, I was saying to Shane yesterday. I'm obviously I'm a, I'm a Spurs fan, and you, you look at Spurs at the moment, and they're in the Champions League positions, and and or sorry, they're in the, the Champions League places at the moment, and they're through to the next round of the current Champions League. And 
Jesus, there's nothing but doom and gloom around yeah. around Spurs <laughs> yeah. fans, so there's not. So they're not the only one, um, and they are going to make a bit of a burst back at, 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 at trying to get into those top four positions, I would imagine, but I would be very surprised if they managed it, to be honest. Uh, Shane, we should touch on the Republic of Ireland squad name by, by Stephen Kenny yesterday for these games upcoming uh, against Norway and Malta. Evan Ferguson, I suppose, the, the standout, and I guess since he played for for Bowes at the age of 14 we've been following this man's rise but uh, not before time I guess he's, he's he's one of these players I think Kenny pointed out yesterday he might need a, a loan move away in January to really cement a place in, in, in the squad but um, a really exciting addition Ah he is look you, you were saying follow him since you know he had two remarkably young debuts obviously he made the Bowes debut at 14 and I think the Brighton debut might have came at was he still 15 um, yeah. and, and look to be honest in 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 you know in grassroots football circles it goes back even further than that. I mean Evan, Evan Ferguson came into his Kennedy Cup year with a with a massive reputation. Um, so he did. Anybody who was going down to the Kennedy Cup, you know, you go down to the Kennedy Cup, you know who you're going to watch most years. You're going to watch Troy Parrott. You know, you're going to watch Jack Byrne. And in Evan Ferguson's year, you were going to watch Evan Ferguson. You, you know, he was all the talk around the place. His dad is is very well known. His, his dad is a full time employee of the FAI and and a former Super League of Ireland player himself. So the rep reputation was there and if I'm honest Shane um, he's always been such a big unit and such a powerful boy that I I maybe I'll be honest I maybe thought he might struggle a little bit when he went to England because in my head I suppose the way I was thinking is he's a super player but his main attribute is the fact that he's just a flat track bully and I was thinking when he goes to England and he comes up against lads as big and as strong as him that he, where he's not able to be as much of a flat track bully will he have the rest of the game that he needs to kick on and that would have been my question Mark and he's, he's put me in my place that's for sure because he's like, he's done so so well over there he's been excellent for the 21s in the games that he's played there and I think that's probably what has him in the senior squad even though he's not a regular with Brighton but I mean he's gone through a couple of managers now at Brighton and they all seem to have him in and around that first team set up and, and you know coming on as a sub or you know featuring in, in cup games and stuff like that so he's impressing everybody he's impressing absolutely everybody um, I am surprised that he got in before he's become a, a probably a, a regular at a club level as you say I, I thought maybe a loan deal first but obviously, Stephen just wants to get him in, get a look at him, see him up close with, with the, the, the standard of player that he has in that squad and, and see if he's able for it. But uh, look, he's 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 a tremendous talent and hopefully he's... You're talking about Robbie Keane's record and how long it stands. I mean, he's he probably falls into that bracket of people that we're looking at and saying, I wonder over the next 15 years, could he have a rattle at it, you know? We've had a few of them over the years. Let's not put too, pressure, too much pressure on <laughs> Yeah, what, exactly. What, um, what, like, I think when you when the squad obviously gets names and there's not maybe, outside of Duffy, who's out for personal reasons and Knight, who hasn't been released by Derby, there's not a huge amount of surprise in it. And we're talking about Ferguson now and, you know, the opportunity to impress. What, from Stephen Kenny's point of view, when you're heading into a couple of games like that, like the obvious thing is to think that he's going to tinker around with it. But obviously, the momentum from previous the previous game and the fragile nature of international football and maintaining that confidence, there might be a big part of Stephen Kenny that's thinking he doesn't want to meddle around too much that we might end up seeing the players that we're used to looking at. What do you think? Is, it, is there a chance that the likes of Ferguson gets a look in? Oh no, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Adrian. I, I can't see there been wholesale changes. I think I think Stephen's way of getting a look at fellas is going to be how they perform in training. Um I, I don't think you're going to see wholesale changes. Lads might get in for the last the last ten, fifteen minutes of games, maybe there thereabouts, but by and large, look, because that 
pressure is never too far from his door, you know, in terms of, you know, there are people behind him, there are people against him, all of that kind of thing. And there just seems to be, there's never really a huge amount of breathing space for him, is there? So, he, you know, he, he needs, you know, he needs decent performances and ideally he needs decent results in these two games. And even just looking beyond these two games, you know, when we come into the new year and you really, really are back to the results business, you know, does he currently know his strongest start in eleven? Um, does he currently know exactly how he wants to play when we come back into those competitive games? The answer to both those questions is probably no. So he needs to use these two games to nail down that that starting eleven and nail down that style of play rather than than messing around with it a little bit. You know, if you had say if it was a friendly for England heading into a World Cup, like England know what their starting eleven is going to be, so he could they could use one of the other games to try out other fellas. I I don't think we're there. I think these games would be very very much used to bed down how we're going to go about things in when the competitive games are back. Remains to be seen too with uh, whether it's Erling Haaland that the Irish goalkeeper has to face uh, in in the first of those friendlies next week, but. Well, if it's not Erling Haaland, the Norwegian manager can answer to my young fella. I tell you, <laughs> yeah, waiting to see him. Yeah, that's... but they, they have a home game that, like, the idea might be that he may not play both games, and if he's going to play one, it's un- unlikely to be here. But I mean, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I think a lot of people will be going for that. <laughs> that that's for sure. Yeah, we got no Kevin De Bruyne with Belgium. Kevin, that was bad enough. Yeah. I, I'll never, I'll never get home in one piece if uh, he doesn't get a glimpse of Haaland. Yeah, touch wood, he's he's ready and available. Um, in terms of the goalkeeping position. Shane, like Quivin Kelleher again, putting his name in the, the back pages uh, during the week with three penalty saves in the shootout for Liverpool. Uh, Pizzunu clearly has the number one spot until he loses it, but uh, in your opinion, does Kelleher need... Like, he, he's getting the experience, and we've talked about it, of being Alisson's understudy and working with Liverpool, and and yet you, you can't help but feel that maybe at some stage he needs this move away to really cement his place as, a, as, a, as, a, as an Irish number one. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I would to be honest with you. Um, look, it's 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 brilliant. They they obviously adore him at Liverpool, um, and he you know he constantly seems to be in the limelight anytime he does get an opportunity. But I mean, there's no like realistically, there's absolutely no way on earth that that Stephen can consider picking him as his regular number one ahead of Gavin Bazuna, who is starting week in week out in the Premier League. Okay, he's getting it tough. He's in a side that are struggling a little bit, but that's still. Obviously, far, far superior preparation to, to to sitting on the bench, no matter how big of a club that you're at. Sure, I'm sure he gets you know plenty of work in training with Liverpool and all of that kind of thing. But obviously, enough that's that's completely and utterly different. Um, and look, as I say, Bazuno, he's having a tough at, at Southampton. Um, be interesting to see with the new manager coming in what sort of effect that has. But as in terms of his 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 performances for Ireland, I know look, he was probably questionable for one of the goals in his most recent performance. But outside of that. I mean, he's been outstanding, absolutely outstanding for Ireland over over the last, however it is, long, nearly two years now since he's broke into it, I suppose. And uh, no, look, Stephen will will be sticking with him. And if Quibin Kelleher has any ambitions of of trying to break into the side or really challenge him for that spot, yeah, he, he's got to get out on loan. But I, I look, I don't, I think it's immaterial because I don't think Liverpool are going to allow that to happen. Yeah. And I can understand where they're coming from too, you know. Yeah, it's a tough position for him to be in. The eleven itself is fairly settled. Like looking over the last few games, I, even in terms of the players that are coming into it now, and we've mentioned a couple of them there. But who, in what positions, maybe, and who do you think um, are the most likely to fill those positions? Do you think are the are the points of Stephen Kenny? Might be might be looking at you know in terms of some of those new players or even the likes of Ogbene who, in a lot of ways, has become almost was at some point the greatest next thing and has been slightly forgotten about over the last few windows. Yeah, Ogbene is a big one for for me. Um, I I I think he. 
I would have him starting all day long. Would you, yeah. To be honest with you, oh, I would, I would. I think he's he's excellent. And look, there's no doubt Obafemi has 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 really caught the eye mm. in terms of what he's done since he's come in. I just think, I think there's more consistency with Egbeni. Uh, Obafemi, ball comes to Obafemi, and you know there's a fifty percent chance it could go brilliantly. There's a fifty percent chance it could go wrong. Um, so there is. It would be my opinion with him. But with Egbeni, there's there's more consistency there. He's having a very good season again at at, at club level. The big question is, and you know, it's it'd be interesting to see is, you know, can you start the two of them? Um, you know, Troy is Troy Parrot obviously is going to be out for these games. You know, could this be an opportunity that he looks to to, to, to play the two of them beside each other again and, and, and see how they get on? Like on paper, it looks frightening. I, I wouldn't fancy being a, a defender up against the two of them. So that that certainly could be something that's that's very exciting. He's going to need a bit more. The other thing he's going to want, obviously, lads, is, is developing a bit more strength and depth in the middle of the field yeah. because I think Knight, Malumbi, Cullen have pretty much nailed it. But what we saw the last day, unfortunately, was that it's a high-tempo game that those three players are having to play. Steven seemed very uh, reluctant to allow his wing backs to come out and press the opposition fullbacks high up the field, which meant it was it was the two outside centre midfielders that were the ones expected to shuttle across and across, similar to Liverpool actually against against Spurs uh, the week, last weekend. Um, that's a high energy game and and very very tough for a guy to do that for more than sixty to seventy minutes. Um, and ideally, you want you want a couple of players coming on around that seventy minute mark who continue to do that job really really well for you, and that you've got a lot of a lot of trust and a lot of faith in. And I think he he probably needs to to delve into the squad to try and and, and find the fellas who can perform those roles for him off the bench. You know. Finally, Shane, we've got the the small matter of the FAI Cup final at the Viva Stadium on on Sunday afternoon. Um, it's it's an interesting one because like Derry are rightly so favourites in the bookies for this one. But I mean Shelburne, when you look at even the the way they've gone about this season and the first season back in the Premier Division under under Damien Duff, you look at their performance against Bohemians, the three 0 win in the quarter final in this competition, and I think they drew with Derry one one just a couple of weeks ago in the league as well. Albeit Sunday will 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 have a different feel to it. But I mean, how do you see this one going? Because Derry, as I said, favourites, but. Shelburne will uh, will have a lot to say in this game. Yeah, well, the first thing I'd say on the chain is it, it's a brilliant cup final in that outside of Shamrock Rovers, these two clubs have, have probably been the biggest stories of the season because you've had the injection of cash at Derry. You know, we've been crying out for somebody to make a burst back at, at Rovers and, and make it a bit more competitive again. And, and Derry are undoubtedly going to be that team over the next couple of years. Rory Higgins gone in and done a brilliant job with a team that's playing a lovely style of football. And then obviously you've got the whole Duffer narrative and there's no doubt it's been brilliant for the league. It's been absolutely brilliant having Damien in the league, his profile, and then the fact that he, you know, that he is such a an entertaining character, um, you know, as well and good having profile, but but Duffer is just every time he opens his mouth, he, he he seems to say something really interesting that people can can latch onto. So in terms of creating a bit of hype and a bit of uh, a good vibe around the cup final, I think this is a cracking one to have. Um, and attendance tickets seem to be very very strong, um, so it should be a, a, a really really good day. How the game will go itself? Yeah, I, I, Shelburne will be able to are capable of making this game really really awkward for Derry, no doubt about it. Um, they have a very definitive style of play and they've managed to nail it very very well. Um, and they'll just be awkward. They'll be not nice to play against. They work, work, work. You know, Damien is very much reflected in that. Um, 
And in, in Sean Boyd up top, they've got a guy who's an absolute handful for, for any team. There's a little bit of a question mark from what I'm hearing over Shane Farrell. Um, that's that's a huge one for them. He has he would he would be in my League of Ireland team of the year, to be honest. I think he's been outstanding. Um, and with Matty Smith already ruled out, because unfortunately he's on loan from one club to the other, with him ruled out already, they, they need Shane Farrell on the pitch. If Shane Farrell is on the pitch, he's capable of doing something out of nothing. And that's what they're, or that's what Shells are going to need. If Shells are going to score here, it's either going to come from a set piece or it's going to come from something out of nothing whereas Derry are more capable of grinding you down with, with intricate passing plays and, and, and fluid movements in the final third but I do think Derry will come out on top they're favourites for a reason I do think they'll come out on top but I don't think anybody would be surprised if Duffer managed to, to, to spring a shock here either you know one before we go, Shane, just uh, Stephen McGuinness was uh, the PFAI was in with uh, Nathan last night and he was talking about agents in the League of Ireland, the prolifer- proliferation of them and in a lot of cases the inexperience of them um, in the League of Ireland at the minute. Um, as, a, as a manager and a coach around, the, around Irish football, what's your experience uh, or thoughts about how, um, how players are being um, represented uh, at, at that level at the minute? Yeah, look, Adrian, there's a massive, massive variety and disparity in, in, in what you're going to get, to be honest. Look, at, at the level that I'm at at the moment, back then with Cove, you know, the, you know, most of the player, very few of the players would have, have agents or there wouldn't be much interference on that side. But obviously, having been at, at, at Galway and Dundalk, there was far, far more going on in that front. And I just found... You know, there was a couple of guys that I would have dealt with. I, I would have been involved in a lot of the contract stuff at, at, at Dundalk just when I landed up there. And there was there was some of the players had guys who were really, really good to deal with. Really, really good to deal with. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking in particular, you know, in relation to a deal with, you know, Michael Duffy and things like this. There was actually, I remember one of the agents at the time was was David Moy's son. Was well, I think he, he could be Cameron Dunnigan's agent. Um, and there was, there was guys that were very, very professional and... You know, while pitching for the best for their player, they were fair and they were reasonable in their their aspirations. Whereas you get other guys who are just coming with completely and utterly unrealistic expectations and managing to convince their player that that what they're asking for is realistic and that it's a slight by the club if they're not willing to go and and and, and give them that sort of a figure. And it, it does them absolutely no favors whatsoever. So. Look, huge disparity. There's a lot of good things in what um, the PFI have done with this deal. There are a few question marks as well that I'd, I'd, I'd throw in relation to the deal that, that it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but I think it is going to be first year in. It's, it's very much going to be a learning curve for, for everybody, FAI, PFAI and the clubs, because, Adrian, it's, it's natural enough that the clubs are going to do everything they can to try and find ways and means, not so much around this, but to work with this if that makes sense yeah you've uh, pointed at something that we might come back and have a bit of a deeper chat about again with a bit more time but for the minute Shane thanks a million cheers lads fair play Shane Keegan on the line there uh, with thoughts on uh, lots of different aspects of the football for you this morning OTBM brought to you by Gillette in association with Movember effortless shave magnificent mo you can sign up or donate now at movember.com it's gone 10 past 8 good morning to you wherever it is you are at we've so many comments coming into us about the different topics we've got our teeth into this morning we've uh, Isil Cody good morning to you Isil saying surely it's time we just forget provincial rugby for Munster and enter them in an international or a minimum international A contest only, even at the Viva last year. It's evident they're a big occasion team. That's a that's a great shot. <laughs> well, they've beaten Australia, they've beaten New Zealand, they've now beaten South Africa. So, yeah, I, I agree. There's there's uh, stacking evidence for it there. Uh, Shifty Lag, good morning to you. Shifty says the chain's picks of statues and shirts are in the two reds on Monday. Uh, he said, ah, Shane, come on. 
Charlton, Giles, Willie John McBride and O'Driscoll is who Shifty is going for his four shouts, which is a good one. Uh, Rick Jagger is saying Johnny Sexton, undoubtedly Ireland's best ever rugby player. Uh, this is in terms of the statues. He says actually Sexton is undoubtedly one of the best rugby players ever. Yeah, but Mount Rushmore is for dead presidents and the statues are for uh, people of, of past. I think so. Um you know, in terms of their, if Sexton uh, hangs up career. the boots, then maybe yeah, he, he's in for a shout. Um, and inter- uh, Holy Trinity says John Claffey of Bod, Raj and Paul O'Connell. Raj, yeah. we haven't mentioned at all, and there's a couple of shouts from here, including the uh, drop goal, obviously not at the Aviva, but at the Cardiff Stadium, uh, says uh, Niall. Uh, best moment I've experienced at Lansdowne Road. He also says Gordon Hamilton try against Australia in 91. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. See, I don't disagree with any of these shouts, and even Shifty Lads picks there, Charlton Giles, Willie John McBride and O'Driscoll. Yeah. It'd be ridiculous of me to disagree with any of those names. Mm-hmm. My point was that I was just going on the basis of great moments within that stadium that lit that stadium alive. Training you're losing, Chen, the statue's going outside the stadium. About your takes as well about the, uh, the, the moment nature of them. Yeah, well, listen. I mean, Shifty Lad lost me at the shirts, because the shirt's obviously <laughs> fantastic, so... Uh, <laughs> an Irish international in rugby or soccer says uh, Gav Sale uh, on YouTube uh, in Cork would be delicious especially if the game isn't big enough to sell at the Aviva that is another great shout I have to say that's uh, Cracker get some international sport on there oh yeah the 100% night, like. more of it the better yeah yeah uh, right sure. it is uh, 13, 14 minutes past 8 it's Friday morning you're watching OTBM we've loads still to come we'll be talking to Alan Quinlan just a bit um, a little bit more about that match last night obviously and the uh, Fiji game to come over the weekend as well a reminder as well that Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of uh, OTB each week we're giving you uh, one lucky viewer a 100 euro voucher to spend on some uh, Braeburn Coffee goodness at an Apple Green store near you to enter that you can just check out uh, add off the ball on Twitter you can like and retweet our Braeburn competition post there and you'll be in the draw Braeburn coffee never compromises on quality or taste to give you the best on the go coffee experience on the road and it's available at uh, an apple green uh, near you today we're back after the break martin lipton is going to talk to us about uh, some reaction to the gareth southgate squad for the world cup otb am all right it's quarter past eight you're watching otb am football writer martin lipton is on the line good morning martin Good morning. Good to speak with you again. Thanks many for taking the call. We wanted to chat to you, obviously, after the squad announcement uh, yesterday, um, which we'll talk to you about in a bit. But in so much as you can uh, possibly speak on behalf of an entire nation, is there an expectation just in relation to the conversation that's happening around uh, the off the veal stuff in relation to Qatar and its human rights record? Is there an expectation that um, on the England squad, to because obviously Gareth Southgate addressed it fairly fulsomely yesterday, an expectation that they'll speak about Qatar while they're there or do most just subscribe to the shut up and play FIFA approach? I think that uh, they'll be asked um, I'm not covering England, so it's not down to me, but I'm sure those who are will, particularly the senior players, I think it'd be unfair to to throw that on the ones who are fairly young, actually, but the senior players will be asked their opinions. I suspect quite a few of them will be very happy to give their opinions, actually. Harry Kane has already spoken and others will. Jordan Henderson, unquestionably. So Marcus Rashford, he's very willing to, to say what he thinks. I don't think there'll be a a, a lack of, uh, of voices from the England camp, particularly in the build-up. I think once the tournament starts, that'll be a bit different. They can The, the view will be, look, what else can we say? Our views are clear, pretty clear. Mm-hmm. But I think they will be asked, particularly when in the first two days, on the Wednesday and Thursday, uh, at those press conferences that are held um, in Doha. 
Yeah, like it, we've all been trying to make sense of this thing, particularly I think it's focused minds over the last three or four months of like, are we allowed to enjoy the football? On what level should we continue to shine a light, obviously, uh, from our side on the media point of view into um, what's actually happening in that country? Like even so much yesterday, the Republic of Ireland manager, Stephen Kenny, is doing his own press conference about a, v- a couple of upcoming friendlies and been quizzed about whether, you know, why he's, uh, should he go to Qatar, essentially. So we're all trying to sort of make that bit of sense of it. What's your, as we now on the eve of the the World Cup Martin what's your view on that trying to strike that balance of I guess being able to enjoy the football on some level and uh, being aware of everything else that's going on well the the, the answer to that I guess is the World Cup is starting on Sunday the 20th of November and it's the biggest sporting spectacle in the world and millions of people will be watching it and thousands well million or so people will be going to see it and I'm one of those who are going to, to cover it so the event is the event, but at the same time, it would be remiss not to uh, take note, recognise, talk about where the, 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 this tournament is taking place. This is a country that's been built out of the desert in 40 years. It was nothing there. You know, it was, it, it's truly bizarre. You, you see a photo from the you know, early, late 70s, early 80s. There's one hotel just surrounded by sand. Now you can't see that hotel because there's so many other bigger hotels dwarfing it it is it's truly remarkable but that has been built on the backs of migrant labors a country where only one well one seventh of the population are native and uh, native people there's 300,000 Qataris and a population of 2.1 million uh a, a, a nation where uh homosexuality is banned where misogyny seems to be pretty much ingrained not totally but certainly to a degree you can't ignore these facts at the same time, it's a football tournament. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the David Squire's piece in The Guardian this week was uh, a thing of beauty. It was a, a very different piece from him for people who are familiar with his drawings in The Guardian. Um, it was a true story about a, a migrant worker, a hotel worker, and the, their experience of how poorly treated they've been. Is it part of your um, responsibility, Martin, or your brief almost going out there to cover that other side? Or what will your approach be when you're out there? We've got two news reporters uh, going. I suspect that they will be involved in, as we have done up to now, in those things. I mean, I, I have a particular role within the sporting coverage. I've I've been to Qatar a couple of times. I'm not a huge fan, but it doesn't matter what I think about the country. It's where it's taking place. We I've long covered the scandal of uh, Qatar winning the right to host a tournament. I've written uh, ever since... That day in, in late 2010, I said the scandal with 2018 wasn't Russia winning. It was England getting two votes. The scandal with 2022 was Qatar winning. My position has never changed. Um, but at some point, I have to be, you know, be realistic about it. I'm there to cover a football tournament as well. Mm. I uh, obviously watching the match last night. I suspect that uh, you know even the non uh, the England following non Manchester United fans who were watching last night were suddenly dialed into the fact that here was uh, a striker full of confidence, looking like an absolute world beater. Probably never been uh, looks as if he'd never been playing with as much confidence as as he was last night uh, with Marcus Rashford. Must fill England fans with a lot of hope. Well, it certainly pleased Gareth Southgate hugely. I, I don't think Rashford starts, but I do think he'll be do involved. No, I think he'll go with a front three of Foden, Sterling, and um, and Kane. Right. That's what I mean. I I, I personally want Saka to play, but that's not my choice. Mm. Um, but I think that having a fit flying Rashford does make a big difference in terms of his options off the bench. And were there to be an injury, or were he to 
to come on and score a couple of goals in the early matches and, and make a case to start, then clearly he'd be, he'd be in fine form. Some of the criticism, I guess, Martin, of uh, of Southgate's pick and look, he's in a lose-lose situation here because no matter who he leaves out, there's going to be a little bit of controversy from some quarters. Uh, but this this argument that he, he picks on form, you look at Calvin Phillips in the team, you look at Harry Maguire in the squad as well. Granted, Callum Wilson over Tomori is, is based um, fairly heavily on form, but do you, do you buy that? Because you know, he, he talks all the time about picking on form and yet you, you see players like Harry Maguire and, and Phillips who just haven't been there at club level uh, in recent weeks. I think it's easier for him to justify the Phillips selection uh, because there isn't anybody else yeah. who, who works as a holding midfielder. Uh, Maguire, it's because he trusts him. He's never let him down. He's a very loyal manager. There's no doubt about that. And Maguire has never played poorly, really, apart from one game. And that's in 50 caps for, for England. So it's hard to be critical. He, you know, In the Euros um, 18 months ago, he had a pretty average at best season, was under fire. Missed the first game or so because of injury. But when he came in, he was excellent and scored goals. And I think that's the thing with Maguire. He seems to be more relaxed playing for England than he does playing for Manchester United. Mm. The, defensively, um, I look at the squad and I'm thinking of the left side and granted Ben Chilwell out of the squad with injury. But if you see Luke Shaw as potentially the only left wing back in that squad now, like Saka played there, I know, in September against Italy. He wasn't good that night in that position. Um, Kieran Trippier is an option maybe there but he's probably going to be on the right hand flank like you know if there's an injury to, to Luke Shaw for example it could be it could be quite troublesome on that side Yeah I mean I think Saka probably is more likely than Trippier because I think you're right that Trippier may well start I mean it, it is a, a coin toss he might go with Alexander-Arnold thinking he, needs to, he can play him into form and then then Trippier becomes an option on the on the left more Yes, the vulnerabilities are there with it. But that, again, the, the only other option left back, Mitchell at Crystal Palace, maybe. Mm. There weren't too many, and he played one game. You know, it's it is hard to 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 to. It's easy to criticise. It's harder to come mm. up with alternative solutions. I think. Was there anybody who was the top of your list, Martin, of people that you thought, well, he was unlucky to miss out? Uh, I tossed between Tamori and Tony. Actually, uh, I, I would have liked both of them in, but. Um, I can see why he's he's gone with the, with the men he has got. The one I think that everyone will be surprised about was Gallagher's selection mm. because he, his last game was in June against Hungary and he was pretty awful. He hasn't had a brilliant season, uh, but he's got legs, and I think that's that's given him the nod over Warp Faust, who's possibly quite unlucky not to make it. Yeah, and Madison obviously has got a lot of the headlines as well. And it's funny how when these squads get named and there's so much focus on one player who might end up having seeing very little game time potentially uh, once they get to the World Cup. What's your view on Madison? Because I, I think the hope is obviously maybe that he might bring a bit of an, uh, an extra edge maybe to that England attack. Do you see him getting much game time? Um, it all depends on how he behaves over the next eight days. I suspect that. One of the, it's clearly been an issue. Whatever Gareth says about he, about Madison's temperament, personality, etc., about the sort of lad he is, you know, they've they've adopted that uh, all black philosophy of no dickheads, haven't they? And I think it's fair to say that one or two might consider putting Madison in that bracket. Uh, and therein lies the issue. As a footballer, I have absolutely no doubt. I think he's, a, he's an outstandingly talented player. Uh, he gives you a dead ball threat. He can pass the ball. He can he can take set pieces. I mean, I think I think I think he thoroughly deserves a selection on, on his abilities on the pitch. The reason he hasn't been around has been James Madison. Mm. 
he certainly deepens those attacking options, Martin. And like there, there was the incident of the casino, and he was pictured, you know, and that the England team were playing. And, and as you said, that there are incidents like that that cause you to question his. Uh, I, I guess his. But also, that was three years ago. Maybe you know, maybe people grow up. Yeah, what's so, so good? Also said it wasn't an issue for him. He said, "Well, he has to say that, doesn't he?" Well, he said he also. I mean, it's interesting. It like, yeah, people don't always tell the truth. Even you know, <laughs> yes, even George Washington lied occasionally. It's a fair. It's a fair point, but I, I also could. I could buy it. Is the thing because, like, ultimately, what difference does it make if he wasn't in the squad? So be it. Well, yeah, I think. I think if other factors had been, he wouldn't have been there. But but the fact is, you know, he it was a, a twenty six man squad. And maybe he does feel he doesn't need a bit more angel dust in it, magic dust in the uh, in the in the squad. Someone who can actually break a game open with a pass, um, if the others aren't working. But you know he's got to get in a, into the team or into the, even into the you know, involvement ahead of Mounts and Foden's and Sterling's and Greedish and Sacco. Uh, there's quite a lot of talent as a, an attacking force, particularly if you assume there's going to be two the two central midfielders. They're likely to be Bellingham and. And Rice to start in the three four three. It's funny, Martin. Like um, Southgate gives his gave his reasoning for not including Rhys James as too much of a gamble with the injury, which is totally understandable and fair. And yet, you look at uh, Kyle Walker being picked and Calvin Phillips being picked, who are both uh, struggling with their own uh, injury complaints as well. Uh, so, like, is that hypocrisy in some ways? Like, you're you're, you're not picking Rhys James because of those gam- gambling issues in terms of gambling on his injury, but. Then again, you're going with the likes of Walker and uh, and Phillips, who are also struggling. Well, at least Phillips is now playing because he played for City in midweek. Yeah, his argument was simple, really, that you know James wouldn't be fit for any of the group phase, and they think that Walker will. Mm. So he wanted him to have played in the group phase rather than coming straight from injury into potentially being available for the knockout phase. You, you may think it's a bit harsh, but you could only take. Two, you can, I think two is the maximum number of risks you can take in a squad, mm. even in a squad of 26. I mean, in a 23, I wouldn't take any risks, personally. In a 26, you can take two. He got away with two last time because both Henderson and Maguire came in with, with knocks. Um, and he needed the 26 in the end because, obviously, Chilwell got uh, injured and COVIDed and Mount got had issues and then Foden missed the final because of injury. So, you, you know, you need a deep squad in that regard. What's your, what would, again, I know you're not picking the team, Martin, but what would your back four be, out of curiosity? Well, he's going to pick a back five, so it doesn't matter. Back what five, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, who's your, what's your centre half, like, what, what's your centre half selection? Is Harry Maguire starting as well? Shane is I, think, <laughs> I think he'll go, if, if for the first game, I think he'll go Dyer, Stones, Maguire. And nobody should be, like, I was watching some of the reaction yesterday about Harry Maguire being included. I mean, this is not, this is not a great shock to anybody who's been mm. following English football. No, I mean, the surprise would have been if he wasn't in the yeah, squad, not if he wasn't in the squad. I've seen, I've seen it suggested, uh, Martin, by, by a couple of journalists online that it's England's best squad on paper since 2006 and look, on paper doesn't matter a jot, but would you go along with that? Let's just see. <laughs> um, I think in terms of quality of attacking players, uh, yes, and, and depth of attacking players, even if we've only got one proven international goal scorer but he's not bad you know 50 goals in 70 odd games um, and we saw in the Euros Sterling and Grealish particularly Foden as well Mount played well so yeah I think you can see that argument I think defensively 
it's harder to make that claim. Yeah. I, if I was... you look at the teams that England, you know, even in 2014 when they weren't great, Jagielka and um, the boy, boy who was at uh, Chelsea, who was at Bolton before, uh, I can't remember his name now, but you know, you know they were they were decent centre halves and in decent form, and you know he, he made the big decision, Roy, in 14 to leave out Ashley Cole to play to, to send Luke Shaw as a second left back behind Leighton Baines. Maybe that was a, a mistake looking looking back. <sighs> I still think we're, you know, the, if you look at that 2002-2006 defence, when you had, in 2006, they had the options of Campbell, who was, sec- was sort of first reserve behind Terry and um, and Ferdinand. In 2002, Southgate himself was first reserve uh, in the squad behind Campbell and, and Ferdinand. I mean, they, they were stronger then than now, I think. Um, I was chatting to Neville Southall in Dublin last week and, and he was uh, quietly confident about the, the Wales-England game in the last group game and you even look at, at the United States squad name this week and you know probably stronger than some people give them credit for and they'll want a, a reasonable tournament do you see any any way in which England don't even get out of the group? Well anything's possible yeah. but I think England win the group relatively comfortably, personally. Okay. But this is a hostage to fortune when they lose three 0 to Iran. But no, I think they'll. I don't think they'll particularly shine. But you don't have to shine. You have to get through, and then it becomes interesting. I think that England. I think it's a possibility that England may be in a. If they win the first two, they might play a shadow team against Wales, um, because it won't matter because they could have won the group by then, and that would be perfect for Wales as well. I suspect. I'm not sure Wales do get through. I think that USA. Or Iran, in fact, both of them could end up finishing above Wales, but we will see. I was, uh, I couldn't help but but laugh watching the Carabao Cup fourth round draw last night after the, the United Villa game at Old Trafford, and it, it, it only strikes you when they when they talk about the dates and the World Cup final being on the Sunday, and then these Carabao Cup fourth round ties being on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. Like, I mean, yeah. you have Man City Liverpool as one of those games as well. This this is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it'll be a reserve team game, won't it? As simple as that. I mean, the other thing I would say is that only four teams yeah. are playing the last weekend of the World Cup out of the 32. So, and a lot of them will be out the previous weekend because of the quarters. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, they will all be out the previous weekend because once you get to, you know, the, the two teams of the semis are the two teams of the final weekend. So, they'll actually have been home for 10 days, a lot of the players. Yeah. So, the... Uh, um... There'll be Trent, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, and uh, you know Foden, uh, Henderson. They'll all be well rested. Martin is what you're saying. They'll have they'll have had a few weeks with their feet up. Is that that's what you're Are getting? Are you suggesting they're out in the group phase? <laughs> <laughs> never, would never say something like that. We'll, yeah, uh, it, they might be. You never yeah, know. I mean, yeah. they were in. They, it happened in the past. Um, but you, it all depends. Look, the one thing that's absolutely critical for England is Kane to be fit and firing, mm. because and if he is, that gives him a goal again, doesn't it? And can't I say that he's. Uh, what did he say during the week that he was uh, pretty tired looking and he was kinda, why the haze <laughs> yeah exactly I mean and and to be fair it's, it's not a, uh, it's not unique in that regard I think everybody who goes there is going to be in the same boat at least uh, that might be the one positive uh, we'll see what pans out as you say over the next while uh, Martin Lipton of the Sun thanks a million thanks a lot bye bye thanks a lot uh, loads of comments coming into us uh, Ward Prowse deserved a spot says Spectre Core yeah Ward Prowse for a set piece alone says Bracken uh, lack of centre-back options to be uh, also a lack of options to centre-back to be critical of Maguire's selection when you look at what he's done for England in the past tournaments he's definitely trading a past glory it's whether he can re-deliver that yeah. uh, once the World Cup, Cup kicks off 
and like he's also this centre of fun for people I think Maguire sorry of course he is yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that that's a big part we sneer at Harry Maguire in this country I think that that's a big part of what informs our thought process around uh, his selection or otherwise he's also not great it's the other side to it it's a part of that that's based in reality he's better for England that's the thing he could, have a, he could end up being brilliant for them at the World Cup I mean which sounds a ridiculous thing to say but he just has been not involved for United. But do you know he's a man of confidence. He could he could walk into that team of the World Cup and just be their best player. He could be. I don't see it. He yeah. could be. I just like confidence. You get the the Iran game first off, and he has a good game. All of a sudden, he's flying it. He's yeah. ready to go. I just think his confidence is way for team. It and, is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need you need to do possible to fall apart at any given moment. Shame in my view on Harry Maguire as I sneer at him. So I appreciate that. That's uh, I'm I'm one of the uh, one of those. Um, Kigo says just in relation to the conversation we were having with Martin there at the top of that piece in relation to where it's being hosted. He says if you're aware. Uh, you can't enjoy same with uh, Live Golf but also the same with most businesses FIFA went for the money a lot of Irish people have better salaries etc etc and look at I think that that's an important point to touch on FIFA turned down um, sure people saw this week turned down a request by Denmark to wear the t-shirts with human rights for all written on them think about that for a second they turned down a request for a team to wear a t-shirt with human rights for all written on it Stop and think about that for a second and the madness of it. FIFA just say, shut up and play. Aside from the fact that uh, I think Denmark were foolish on one hand maybe to have asked permission. On the other hand, maybe they've forced FIFA now into uh, giving a rejection of that and have shined the ultimate spotlight on them. But who are the teams that are going to show some balls now and who are the players that Martin talked about, you know, Harry Kane and these players that have spoken up before. Who are the players that are going to make that uh, next move from Denmark once they land on Qatar soil? That's where the heat gets turned up in every regard. Or who are going to be the, you know, next move like from the Aussies with their video a couple of weeks back. Or the band of the nine European brothers and their one love armbands. Is it just a case of shut up and play once you get there? FIFA have contacted teams to say, please let us now focus on football. Shut up and play. Do play, but please don't shut up. Now's the time to speak up, speak out. Don't take comfort, please, from Jurgen Klopp telling you that it's not your fault the World Cup is in a country void of the most basic human rights. Of course it's not your fault. Nobody said it was. Nobody would insinuate that it was. But don't spend the rest of your life thinking that you should have said something, that you should have done something. Don't just shut up and play. Don't wait for the circus to pack up tent and shift off before you reveal the inner turmoil that you were going through about playing the World Cup tournament in Qatar. Don't wait. To borrow a phrase, just do it. So that's our thoughts on uh, what's happening, what's going to happen over the next few weeks. And it's a conflict, of course it is, and it's hard to know exactly which... uh, is the right side to sit on in relation to all of that. We've loads of comments coming into us, whether it's about that or it's about the um, loads of stuff about playing more sport uh, at Porky Cueve, more international sport potentially, and uh, about our picks as well, Shane, mm-hmm. for outside the Aviva Stadium of our uh, four Maguires. A back three or five might suit Maguire, less space, so his pace isn't found out, says John Claffey, and that's a real quality analysis at the point like it's not yeah. poking fun at stuff it's like actually he needs a bit of support now given his age profile 100% and he does need support and someone else in the comments pointing out and you forget this as well you kind of have to look at the track the teams are going to take Senegal is a likely last 16 tie for England uh, France then and possibly Germany or Spain Yeah, they're not going to go deep in this tournament I mean the French are going to beat them in the, in the quarters if it gets to that stage mm. Senegal without Mane is uh, it's a team that, that that might not even make the last 16, to be honest with it, Sadio Mane. Um, but I, I just think, look, 
he is a figure of ridicule, Harry Maguire, of course, and like people think that we're, you know, he, he slagged off or bullying. It's not about that at all. I actually think, like the Harry Maguire that that predated last season's Harry Maguire, who was brutal at United, was actually all right. Like you remember Harry Maguire at Leicester and Sheffield United and early stages at Manchester United, and you think good player. Good player, not an eighty million pound setter half by any stretch, but a decent player and and very good at international level for England. So yeah, I think he'll be he'll be shepherded a little bit in, in the back five. Um, I think England will struggle massively. I've said I've called it a number of times, Adrian. Denmark are going to go deep, wow. very very deep into this tournament, potentially win it. <laughs> Whoa, Jesus! You just that escalated quickly. I know. Yeah, I actually think Brazil are going to win the tournament, but Denmark are my. Uh, Right. Hashtag dark horses. Eight thirty seven, you're watching OTP AM and we are live with you every uh, weekday morning with Gillette in association with Movember at the minute. That's effortless shave, magnificent Mo. <clears throat> Obviously all relating to the activity this month. You can donate now uh, and check out more details. Just head along to Movember.com. I do want to uh remind you as well that uh tomorrow. St Mary's in Meath, the uh, Gaelic Football Club, have members uh, proposing to kick a point in all 32 GA county grounds uh, with the permission of each county and the GA. 16 St Mary's teams <clears throat> are going to travel uh, and hashtag kick a point for Shamey in two neighbouring counties. The fundraiser is native Seamus Brady, who's a lifelong member of St Mary's in Meath, and it was in his capacity as a hard working volunteer that Shamey fell from the roof at St Mary's Clubhouse in September of 2015. The club reaching out now to the GA community and the wider community to support Shamey in his hour of need. There's a GoFundMe page set up, uh, and we're going to. Um, rather than give you the long, complicated address to get to that, we'll tweet it out so you can check out the off the ball handle and you can head along to the GoFundMe page to get involved with that. And uh, as I said, it is all in aid of uh, hashtag kick a point for Shamey. So check out more details there. Carl is in studio with us, Carl. So I presume that's is that my indicator for you're going to tell us what's happening in the world of live sport? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Help me out here. <laughs> here. Uh, well, last night, Munster securing a, a famous win over South Africa. A 28 points to 14. It finished in Porky Queen. Munster scored four tries. Ireland then concluding their preparations today uh, for tomorrow's test against Fiji. Uh, the draw for the Carabao Cup fourth round took place last night. Manchester City and Liverpool is the big tie in the last 16. Manchester United threw after a 4-2 win over Aston Villa last night. They'll play Burnley next. Newcastle set to face Bournemouth. In the other games, Wolves set to take on Gillingham. Southampton will face Lincoln City and Brighton go to Charlton. MK Dons meet Leicester, while Blackburn welcome Nottingham Forest to uh, Ewood Park. Those games will take place the week beginning the 19th of December, which of course is the week straight, straight after the World Cup final. Uh, tonight, the final place in next season's SSE or Tricity League Premier Division is up for grabs. UCD take on Waterford at uh, Richmond Park and in Shakur kick off there at a quarter to eight. Uh, Pork Harrington going well at the Charles Schwab Cup Championship on the Champions Tour. He's one shot off the lead after the opening round. He shot a 566 last night in Arizona. He still has a chance to win the Charles Schwab Cup, which is the order of merit on the Champions Tour, but he needs to win this week. And Stephen Alker, who actually leads the standings, is also in a share of the lead at that tournament on six under par. And then on the LPGA Tour, the Pelican Women's Championship gets underway in Florida today. It was suspended or cancelled yesterday play due to poor weather. It's been reduced to 54 holes and Leona Maguire and Stephanie Meadow both in the field there and finally there's racing at uh, Dundalk where the first goes to post at a quarter to five this evening I'm going to throw you straight under the bus here Carl. statues outside the Aviva Stadium four statues you get to pick right 
Who's who's on them? I'd say the Aviva. Yeah, I suppose it's so, a split between football and rugby is what yeah. we're generally thinking. John Aldridge was saying during the week that um, I'll buy you a couple of seconds to have a think about it there, Carl. Um, that Jack Charlton should have his own statue, given what he's done. He was like, oh, it's an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. So it just got us thinking, who would be the four? Uh, Brian O'Driscoll. Fair. John Giles. Fair. Although would John Giles have played most of his football for Ireland at Daily Man? I think there's I think there's an element to this. I certainly looked at it like it wasn't that important what they achieved actually in that ground. Yeah. I mean they will have achieved something at the you know. But yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, Giles qualifies is what I'm saying. Okay. So John Giles O'Driscoll. Uh yeah, I would say Jack Charlton. Roy King. Uh, well, three three one split. You let yourself down there at the end. See, I, I went for the I went for the you moment. Went two, two, did you? No, you I went, went yeah, but I went for McIntyre's goal against the Dutch. I went for Stockton against the All Blacks. People have been right to shooting them down for picking moments that get like, abuse. In they're, they're making the valid point called that in a hundred years' time. Like with Shane Long was possibly the greatest moment of yeah. sport that I've ever been at. It was just unbridled joy. Yeah. But in a hundred years' time, well, if that if that's the argument, it is it is Jack Paul McGrath, Bod, and Paul O'Connell probably. If that if that's the way we're looking at it you know Robbie Keane like does he go he ahead of Charlton or McGrath well I have him and uh, he's still I, working for the FA so that, that means I have, can't I have, have Paul him. McGrath as my first uh, he's not working for the FA no sorry he's not but like, but he's, it's more recent we think statues statues wise as I said it's got to be people a bit, bit further back and in maybe 30-40 years Robbie gets a statue when it's all kind of well you know when he's an old grey man and he cuts the tape himself and he's, he's <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah. an interesting one I mean I'm trying to think of other Rugby figures that could feature Paul uh, Jack Kyle was Sexton. Uh, Jack Kyle and Brian Jack Driscoll Kyle, yeah, yeah. Um, Kieran Fitzgerald. I don't know if uh, the conic shouts are coming out now. Uh, yeah. It's like everybody gets pro keen about these things. <laughs> what Sligo person could be possibly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. If there's any case for any Sligo person. Oh, Kieran Kelly, the goalkeeper, saved all those penalties. Yeah, 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 is it, is it yeah, moments? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking That's about the him. Moment. There you too go. Quick, Shane. That, <laughs> that was a bit too far too quick. It's uh, an interesting one, yeah. Are there any statues? There are no statues outside the Aviva at the moment. No. Because then you, like, you walk outside Old Trafford and you see the Trinity statue of Best Lost Child. Ah, like, yeah. And there's loads of, of lo- like, lovely little spots around the Aviva. We're yeah. talking about four. I mean, it'd be not a bad start, but like, yeah. there's some lovely little spots around around yeah. Lost Road that you could... And they um, do add stuff in terms of a visitor attraction yeah. Oh, yeah. coming to a stadium. Does Croke Park have any... It doesn't have any statues. Yeah, yeah, it has... Um, They've got Michael Cusack, Cusack have their... Cusack oh, at the front, yeah, yeah, just yeah, outside yeah. the museum there, yeah. Um, there probably could be scope for more there as well. Mm. What for? Going again? Central Park. Oh God! Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's even more controversial. <laughs> Eamon O'Hara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, I mean, uh, of course. That's a hurling. That's a two-two split between hurling and Gaelic football. That's an obvious one. That's one we're going to yeah. next Friday. We'll we'll lock that in. That's yeah. we'll keep doing these at different grounds from around the uh, from around the country before we get to the next one. Right, Carl, good man. Thanks, Thanks for that. Uh, I think we're going to go to the sports pages. There are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullsh**. Ah, no, I haven't. Come on, don't, don't be... No, I'm not. Yes. No. All right, it's quarter two, and I always think that sting sort of sets us in a bit of a oh. kickback and relax. Sort Weekend of kind of vibe. Weekend like the, like the shirt. It goes well with the shirt, the flowy uh, shirt. J- nothing goes well with that shirt, Jen. <laughs> Let's call, uh, call it as it is. As John Harrison would say, just tell it like it is. I have a thick skin. I can um, take it. Johnny Sexton, the first Irish rugby captain to win a series in New Zealand, deserves a statue. And I do think that Sexton is definitely one of those that down the track could be the, for a shout. But down the you, track. You've introduced a good criteria, which I think is if you're currently playing. 
yeah, you're yeah, just not up there. for consideration just exactly. yet. Exactly, yeah, 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 100%. Bod, Bod is there for sure. Uh, Earl should get a statue in Moy Ross. Normally rugby players don't come from working class backgrounds as uh, Celtic and YouTube as well. I think if you were doing Thorman Park... We're, 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 we are going around the country with this, by the way. This is yeah, of course. Now. We can. Jimmy McGee would get a statue for me. Like, would he? Do you know, like, just his voice is iconic. Yeah, I, I actually saw him at the Aviva Stadium a couple of weeks before he passed away, yeah. and uh, he was there to watch Ireland play. Was it Northern Ireland that night? I can't remember who they were playing, but just you just thought that the, that man's voice and George Hamilton as well. Like, yeah. I mean, of course they didn't play there, but their voices are so in sync with some of the synonymous with, with some of the great moments yeah. it's absolutely true uh, right the sports page is at quarter to nine uh, this morning good morning to you if you've only just joined us uh, this is the Irish Times for you Crowley ready for debut after graduating from his Wizkid days this is uh, obviously in relation to the Fiji game and he's on the bench for that and looks as if he'll come in for it Ireland A uh, performance prevented Farrell from tinkering further it's uh, certainly an interesting talking point about the lack of hands that went up from that game as much as anything else that we'll talk to Alan Quinlan about in just a few moments time that's the uh, Irish Times this morning. The Daily Mail on the back page. I'm doing my job. Kenny explains why I'll be going to Qatar. This is obviously picking up at the conversation we've been having with Martin Lipton and ourselves over the course of uh, the morning. Uh, he is going to Qatar and says, basically, what difference can one person not go and make? Uh, Glory will get the most out of Dublin. <laughs> no. Glory will get the most Start out of Dublin. Start that one again. Yeah. Gilroy will get the most out of uh, Dublin players as Craig Diaz has been doing the rounds of interviews yesterday and Philip Lanigan writing here uh, about that and that he was as impressive Craig Gilroy had a very fleeting uh, Dublin career and actually when you're looking at the Crokes games recently you're like Jesus how is this guy not involved in the Dublin team now and there is a bit of a I wouldn't say a clamour but certainly calls for it at the minute but uh the chatter this week has not been confirmed yet that mm. Pat Gilroy is going to get back involved and Diaz has certainly given him the rubber stamp of approval from a, a tactical and maybe mainly from an organisational point of view. Yeah, you bring him in. Like I was surprised I, I didn't see Pat Gilroy as someone who was a, was an understudy or a backroom man. I saw him as a, as a forefront man. But they're all at it now. They're all at it. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't believe GA rumours anymore because Jason Sherlock to Monaghan was the rumour that just didn't happen. And, but it doesn't and mean there was nothing in it. No, nothing in it. But like... Similarly with the with like would Pat Gilroy want to do this? Possibly. I'd say he would. Yeah, potentially. Unfinished um, business. Gets on well with Desi Farrell. Uh it would be it would be quite an acquisition to a backroom team. Mm. Let's just say that. Because yeah. they're like you're probably looking at other backroom teams around the country now, the Mayo one being particularly strong. Uh and, and now you're seeing like the likes of even Aidan O'Rourke in the backroom of, of Donegal. Backroom teams are so important now. Yeah. Uh, and Pat Gilroy would be would be a huge acquisition if they got him. Park life is the uh, photograph there after Munster's double score win over South Africa at uh, the park last night. Needless to say, dominates the front page of the Irish Examiner this morning as well. Lark in the park ah, is it. definitely a headline that I can get behind uh, there. Munster complete triple crown of wins over Southern Hemisphere's best, uh, which is a, a good observation there from uh, the Irish Examiner. The Irish Independent, Kenny Qatar boycotting... Boycott by me would achieve nothing. Ireland boss will travel to World Cup to see eight matches in five days for football reasons. He's obviously on a scouting mission ahead of our own upcoming qualifiers. Munster hit the box with a game. Brilliant Reds uh, take flight to record another famous win. <clears throat> this is Simon Zebo going over in the corner. That's just the end of the cheeky glance that he gave across uh-huh. to the retreating and ultimately flailing South African defence. He went over his uh, try last night. And uh, you have to enjoy, you have to earn your spot in an Irish test team, says Farrell. That's in the back page of the Irish Independent for you this morning. 
quick look what's happening across the water the Guardian uh, Southgate opts for playmaker Madison to fire Qatar dreams and England's uh, T20 World Cup final to be shown on Channel 4 that's an interesting uh, ruining our hope we beat the English in the T20 World Cup and then yeah. they go on and get to the final regardless well it'd be better for us I think if they get, went on and win it yeah uh, true it. I, we were, hoping, we were all, all hoping for the India-Pakistan uh, final it just didn't happen mm. but uh, yeah the England England will will go very close this weekend you'd imagine it'll be a good final uh, also then we have a bum 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 the sun uh, spring picking Kenny feels that uh, loan deal could be uh, Evan for Ace to so many puns going on here it's hard to keep up with them uncapped kid Ferguson offers different threat it will be interesting to see do you think he gets game time I mean there's two friendlies I think he, he, he probably gets thrown in at some point uh, maybe the Malta game like um, let, give him last 10-15 minutes yeah get him, get him a cap and Kenny wants to to blood players it looks good for a manager when you blood X yeah. amount of players into the team oh yeah you can sit so, down with the board at yeah. some point and friendlies have the opportunity to do that so I'd love to see him in the team for sure uh, Bruno Sparks uh, stunning response uh, this is um, Manchester United last night four blimey I'll tell you what Bruno Fernandes I'd say if you're an opposition player or fan you would absolutely hate him He's uh, because he, he's playing in the hole or he's, he's just a player no, he riles people up like yeah, there was exactly. one moment where he ran into one of the Villa defenders and kind of took a dive um, like a couple of moments towards the end where there was Villa players Leon Bailey I think it was kicked out at Lissandra Martinez a bit ridiculous and, and a few words back and forth but Bruno I'd say is the king of shithousery winding people up left yeah. right and centre uh, like United fans do like him and he hasn't probably reached the, the, the potential that he did uh, in his first season at the club but I'd say he's a nightmare to play against better without, without Ronaldo is the cliche yeah, that's fair. ultimately true yeah. think, uh, at this stage Horgan catching O'Gara's crossfield kick uh, when we hammered England in 2007 I was in the corner it's a spectre core there lads on the statues debate says Alan Mooney good morning to you Alan uh, Willie John McBride winning Lions captain legend definitely a case for Willie John McBride yeah was the Horgan one in Croker or Lansdowne I can't remember now. Um, the catch in the corner. 2007. Where was it? Cameron knows. Croker. Croker, yeah. So it doesn't really count if it was Croker. Like, we're still a great moment in Irish rugby, but... Yeah, and uh, Spectre's back on to, to uh, pull us up on that as well. Right, oh, it is uh, 10 to 9. It's OTBM. We're brought to you with uh, Gillette in association with Movember Effortless Shave, Magnificent Mo. You can sign up or donate now at Movember.com. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are you? How are you getting on? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm a bit horse. horse. Yeah. Did yeah, you? A bit uh, horse. I was. I was. Did you trouble out getting out of the ground? There. You were. Out, go on. I was cleaning out the hen house there again. <laughs> you were. So, uh, <laughs> I'm down on my mum's here, so I was r- rushing in to get on. But anyway, I'm here now. Were you actually cleaning out the hen house? Correct. I was. Man, um, I'm. Su- I was surprised to hear that for the reason for being horse after events last night. It sounded like a unbelievable atmosphere down there. Yeah, it was um, really special. I think, obviously, the performance then kind of uh, added to the whole occasion. There was a little bit of nervousness when you meet people going in, but how, um, how, how, what would the performance like? Um, would we be in trouble against a very powerful South African side with 14 Springboks in their 23? Um, a lot of those players that played last night for South Africa were very, very have been very good in the URC. We've seen them. Um, performing really well and uh, so yeah I was a little bit nervous beforehand but everybody was excited by it and of course you'll meet a few uh, diehard Munster fans who say no we'll we'll rise to the occasion it'll be great tonight mm. we'll get a win and um, I just thought it was um, yeah it was really special anybody who's there will talk about this for a long time again Is there and, is, um, is it too easy to start talking about like playing more games of Parky Cueve off the back of last night given everything that happened the magnitude of it or 
conversely, I think Munster netted, I don't know, was it 150 grand out of it last night? They might get more. Uh, interestingly, if it was like a Heineken Cup game or something down the track, do you think, despite all the work that's gone on to separate Cork and Limerick, that maybe they should look at going back down the track? I think the the only way it'll happen is if there's if there's um, knockout stages of of URC or, or Europe in particular. Mm. Um, you know, it's I think what's more pressing for 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 the current monster group is getting performances and getting consistency um, and trying to get league points and climb up the table a little bit. So it was a special night for Cork, and and you know a lot of people are kind of talking about this Cork Limerick divide and look. You know yourself and Adrian, Adrian in sport when when results aren't going well for any sporting team at any level, there's always <clears throat> little things crop up and um, side side arguments for for certain ways things can be done better. Um, Cork people deserved that last night. It was very special for them. You know there is a lot of talk about Limerick and the high performance centre being in Limerick, and I'm sure. People in Cork would prefer if it was the other way around. I'm a tip man. I prefer if it was in Tipperary. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, it's it's a debate that went on for a long time. You know, when Moss beat us in 2004, there was probably eight, ten players sat down with the with the management to try and go through um, where we can get better. Why we what, did we come up short again, um, you know, in that semi-final? Um, and one of the big talking points was one centre, either in Cork or Limerick, or outside either either county as well. So, um, has it almost know, come from full circle, Quinny? From from that absolutely valid point that you make, the tension that was between the two areas at that point, and players been based in different places. Everybody accepts now Limerick is the home, but has it almost come full circle to the point that they could go back to Cork now that it's it's moved on? Um, enough well, look, it, it, the high performance centre is in Limerick, um, whether people like that or not that's where it is but I think certainly sharing the games a little bit more um, you know there's Musgrave Park had the Zebra game this year the the, the, the warm up games um, and it is difficult at times for, for people to, to go either way I think probably with the road between Cork and Limerick it's mm. it's tricky it's a good a good hour and a half a good hour and 40 minutes sometimes two hours if people are coming from West Cork so um, it's a big county, um, so yeah, maybe they can share the games a little bit more. But obviously, if you have big games and European games, you, it's difficult to bring them to Musgrave because of the capacity. Um, and you know, maybe maybe Parky Cueve will will be an option going forward. And I think it'll it'll maybe appease everybody. Um, I think you know the whole occasion last night was really special, but that's up to the GEA as well and you're going down a different road there kind of having regular games there I think it was a, it was a one-off game last night it was very successful um, the parking and traffic situation was chaotic but you know the stadium was wonderful and it was a great atmosphere so um, I just think it'll 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 come into to play for <clears throat> if they get into knockout stages and have to have a bigger capacity and um, just look back at Toulouse uh, the Toulouse game and in, in, in in May, where it had to be moved to to Dublin, that was over the Ed Sheeran concert. But for semi-finals, you have to have a certain capacity and um, nominated stadium in in mm. your home country. Um, it's not a home advantage now anymore. So um, it certainly could happen again, and, and I'm sure it'd be a success again if it did happen. As a as a tip man, as you said, Quinny, um, must have been quite a special moment to see. Cashel's own Jamie Barron crossed the line for a, for a try in a game of that magnitude. 
Yeah, well, as the tip man, Shane, I'm going to say this uh, simple stadium next for, for a Munster game. I'm pushing hard for that. Um, yeah, Dermot Barron was was, was was excellent. It was brilliant to see him, him score. Um, but just in general, all the players, they were up against very, very big players, physical players, aggressive players. And um, they had to play with a pace and a tempo last night. And their skill execution was really good, I think. Someone like Mike Prendergast now would be really, really pleased. The camera went to him a few times and you could see his reaction because he's probably seen a bit of this in training in the last since the start of the season. Uh, it's broken down a lot of games. And I think um, to have that ability to play with a bit more ambition and shape and get the attack better off phase play and players working hard to get into position, you know, Shane Daly was brilliant coming in off the wing uh, last night, handling ball in midfield, giving little passes, and there was a couple of occasions where they could have scored another couple of tries. So, I think Quinny, can I just ask, sorry to interrupt? Can I just ask you about that point, just about the freedom that they were playing with? Do you think that relates? Because uh, Paddy Patterson afterwards, amongst other things, was talking about that uh, element of the shot to nothing aspect, and the pressure was off. So, just on that, was that a function of the one-off nature of the game last night, and ultimately? not having a knock-on on, on bigger, more important things? Or is it, like Jack O'Donoghue was talking about afterwards, the end of block one of games, the end of block one of training, the betting in of the plan? How? You, because I think that's the thing that Munster fans are keen to know this morning. Is it a, a portent of better things to come? Or was it because they were playing an exhibition game? No, I think it is um, a sign of better things to come, Adrian, because... You know, in covering a lot of the Munster games this year, even going right back to the, the first one, the Cardiff game, where you have a little bit of rust, um, a lot of the shape that they were trying to achieve was breaking down maybe with the second last pass or the last pass. And the more you rep things in training and the more confidence you get. And when you get a little bit of continuity and selection, these, these things start to improve a little bit. Uh, I think nobody is saying that Munster have incredible X-factor players and can go wide, wide all the time. But the little wraparound passes and um, the, the the type of passes were, were sticking a lot more. Of course, it broke down once or twice last night. South Africa were very aggressive in their in their line speed. But I think um, it's certainly a positive sign of, of more thing, better things to come. That you know they can keep the ball alive, and you and you know you can. Ireland are a perfect example as 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 a team who've really kind of gone on to a different level in the way their shape is, their attack, the way their wingers coming off the, off the sideline and they can contribute as an extra man in that back line. And even with a very ru- uh, uh, aggressive rush defence that you have to make these passes and, and make sure they're on the money. So a lot of the time last night, people were kind of, uh, you know, going, wow, that's that's brilliant. These passes were sticking. So without getting too carried away, I think it's a continuation of what they were trying to do. And a lot of this stuff was breaking down in the last number of weeks. So um, it takes a little bit of time. You know, you have to remember, Adrian, these players were programmed into a direct approach, a kicking game um, and, and not doing this on a continuous level. And, you know, people talk about a change of game plan. I think the change of game plan is just better a shape and players who run dummy lines are an option to carry the ball as well and just overall increasing that work rate and that fitness to get in, in, in better positions. And, you know, their offloads have improved, lots lots of parts of it. I think if you look at one of the stats in the first seven games, um, 
you know, scoring tries and scoring points have been a problem for him. Mm. So in one hand, it's been a strength, a real positive sign. But on the other hand, then the stats would say that it's an area that they've been weak because they haven't been scoring points and tries. Um, but I think if you analyse the games, you can see that, that that shape is gradually coming and the players are getting a bit more comfortable. But that requires fitness and work rate. We spoke about that during a number of occasions. The players looked a little bit flat-footed and a little bit lethargic at the start trying to play play this, this type of game. Um, last night in dreadful conditions and um, they executed much better. So they've got to try and build on that. One last one for me on that game before we go on to talk about Ireland. With Ben Healy, like looking at him last night, I was scratching my head wondering, how is this fella third choice at Munster and how are they going to hang on to him? Uh, in that position, he'll see plenty of game time, but maybe not for the bigger matches. What's the future for Ben Healy, do you think? Well, someone like Ben Healy is, is a very talented player. I think he had a, a really poor cameo against um, against Leinster when he came off the bench. Um was soft in the tackle for, 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 for Luke McGrath's try, dropped the ball twice, made a couple of mistakes. And that can happen anyone. It can happen anyone. But what Ben has to do is is probably realise that um you can't wait for a reaction every time. So he's got that's the standard now. He was superb last night. Even defensively, which is not one of his biggest strengths for a big man. Um he he was really, really good last night. He was had a little bit of edge to him. And you see, you know, when you're a young player, Adrian, I think, and Paul O'Connell always spoke to us about that, and I always was intrigued by um, what he said about getting the emotional balance right as a sports person. It's it's difficult to be really, really kind of psyched up and fired up. And Munster would have been psyched up and fired up last night with fear, the occasion, the team they're playing. And does it generates a kind of um, a real spark inside you to be on it, you know, and to be really, really kind of up for the game. It's hard to do that every week to get that big emotional fire going. And you learn it as young players, you go on to kind of get that to a really good level in the games that are hard to get motivated for, you know, Mm. Um, in a sense where there is no crowd generating an atmosphere for you. Um, It's wet, it's windy. um, You're missing internationals. You have a couple of injuries and you, you step up to play a game. It's it's that's how you develop leadership as well, where you've got to step up in those games. And you know, Ben is still learning um, himself, and he's a very talented player. And I think it was uh, it was a really big performance from him last night. And I think what impressed me more is physically he he put his body on the line, um, an area that you know he has struggled a little bit in. Um, but um, overall, his distribution, the the ambition to run with the ball as well was was very good. So. Um, Getting the emotion balanced right. And I think, you know, without kind of dampening things in any way, because they've got to make sure that, they, you know, they take a lot of good stuff out of that game last night. Stuff that worked from their 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 cohesion, their work rate, the, 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 the defensive line speed, the way they chopped the South Africans at times, um, the way they worked to get numbers in that defensive line and didn't allow South Africa move the ball, uh, the way they double tackled. Um, you know, there's always things you can improve on, and when they look back, there'll be certain parts of the game that they need to get better in. But they've got to try and translate that into consistency, because you think most of that team last night—that's the team that will be playing when internationals are not available. 
maybe there'll be a few, obviously a few back, you know, John Klein, Thomas Ahern is out for a period of time. They'll be really hoping to get Snyman back and, and Andrew Conway, Keith Earls, they'll play a couple of games, and they but they'll want to go back with Ireland. So that's the kind of standard they've got to set now. And But look, they've got to enjoy last night. It was wonderful to see the players go around the field, kind of get that, that, um, that credit from the supporters, enjoy the night. It was a special occasion. They've had a tough start to the season. There's probably been a lot of long faces in a lot of those dressing rooms in those five losses that they've had in the league. So um, it's a learning curve for them. But I think there's cause to, to, to be optimistic, certainly with the way they played. And the coaches deserve credit as well because, you know, they've been working their socks off to try and make them better and make them more of an attacking force. And um, it wasn't all perfect last night and they were under pressure for long periods. But it was, uh, you know, I think such a much improved performance and an exciting one. Um, and they can, they should enjoy it. Talk to us about obviously the strong squad that's been named for the Ireland Fiji game this weekend, and like uh, certainly a lot of the uh, writing about it this morning, and you find it hard to get past it. Is that um, it may be a case that the ship has sailed for players that might have been expected to have featured in that squad, but blotted their copybook a little bit against the All Blacks fifteens, uh, and specifically you have to look at the likes of Lowry, Stockdale, Nash, Hume. McCarthy, Coombs, like there's almost no chance now again for them to impress before the World Cup. It's difficult for them, isn't it? Um, I think they'll still be in their own squad and uh, still in Andy Farrell's thoughts and he won't write them off. So they've got to, you know, they've got to play well with their with their provinces now. Uh, every chance they get between here and the Six Nations and hope for a break, get some consistency. Um, those derby matches at Christmas, they count for a lot between the, the four provinces. Um but yeah, you think there's an opportunity lost there. Someone like Gavin Coombs going back to Munster this week. Um, he was very lucky that he had a game to play against mm. South Africa to kind of uh, switch the, the focus and, and get back and play again. Um, but it's a great opportunity for Jeremy Lockman, isn't it? And, uh, you know, um, Kean Prendergast, Jack Crowley, Nick Timoney, they were all involved in that game. Um, and there was never a case of eight or ten of them were going to come straight in for Fiji. This is a bit of a potential banana skin and these are the ones where I'm talking about that emotional kind of pitch that you've got to get right. Um, everyone expects us to win. Fiji were, you know, for 40, 50 minutes last week against Scotland, they were very, very good. Um, caused Scotland a lot of problems. Um, Scotland protected the ball much better and stressed them and held on to it for long periods and then they found gaps and opportunities. But um, it's a very strong, strong Irish side. But... Um, Again, it's a it's it's a tough one for those players that, as you say, you know, historically this was the one that they'd all get an opportunity in. Yeah. But I'm glad Andy Farrell has he, there's a lot of experience and quality in there as well as you know inexperience and players who who don't have a lot of caps. You know, Tyke Furlong, 61 caps playing with Herring and, and Lockman is a really kind of a sensible one because you're putting in that kind of cornerstone of the Irish pack with with Herring and, and Lockman. Obviously, Herring has 29 caps for Ireland. He's a very good player. But I think, you know, if you had three new changes across the, the front row, you know, would have put a bit more pressure on, on, on Lockman. And, uh, you know, um, Ty Byrne playing in the second row with Treadwell as well. You know, if you put in Joe McCarthy there, then you've two kind of non-starters in there. So I think they've got the balance right of the team. Caelan Doris in the back row and Conan, um, you know, Conan's big game for him, big opportunity as well. He'll want to try and get back into that starting team. 
and dare we say it, Carberry at ten. So, um, you know, I'm I'm delighted for Stuart McCluskey. I think everyone is that everyone thought that that injury was serious last week, and it's a great chance for him and and Henshaw again. So when you go through the team, I think you'd expect all these wholesale changes, but I think there's a lovely mix of of really experienced players in there as well. Queen, we saw the the brilliant clip of uh, Tyke Furlong chatting to our own Ashling O'Reilly yesterday at the press conference where clearly moved by getting the captaincy for this game albeit it's a one-off game but he talked about his family what it means to them and his friends back home in Wexford and everyone but uh, such a special moment in his career and again it's 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 not a, a full-time captaincy role but it, it's something that uh, that must mean a lot to a player to get that armband for their country yeah, of course, um, and I think he's been he's been incredible for for a long number of years now, world class, and uh, it's a nice. Uh, he's a very humble guy, I think, and uh, does his job so well every week. He plays and uh, finds that fire and that spark to you know to really perform. He's been so consistent, and he's he's kind of gained the, the respect of 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 everyone worldwide with his performance. So. He's a real natural leader in the team as well and in, in the way he goes about his business. So it's a big moment for him, very special moment for him. And um, who knows, you know, after Johnny Johnny hangs up the boots, maybe he will be putting his hand up and, and, and looking for the captaincy. So, But it's a special moment for him, his family, his club um, tomorrow, and they'll certainly celebrate that. Just looking forward a little bit, Quinny, as well, with everything that we've been discussing in the mix, and you mentioned particularly maybe the opportunity for the likes of uh, Lockman and, and maybe Crowley off the bench. Like, it's surely a key indicator that he's lo- he has them in his considerations for France. With all that in the mix, does to project forward a small bit, does Andy Farrell end up showing a full hand against Australia as well? Or are you better looking at some of the players that are um, definitely, for example, in a, or most probably in a 23 for a World Cup game? Um, like does he go full bore first 15 pick for Australia or is there some of the 23 starting Um, possibly possibly some changes Um, I wouldn't go for wholesale changes I think they need to finish off the block um, well but you know with Johnny Sexton not being involved next uh, this week um, he'll be wanting to start next week he is the, the team captain um, I think there's an argument to, to, to look at playing Joey Carberry next week yeah. and starting him against Australia and giving him another run out there. I think he's had, you know, up till last, that France game last year, probably four starts against Tier 1 Nations teams at fly half. Um, so it'd be great to get a couple of more starts under his belt. Um, but... For me, I think one or two tweaks here and there. You'd love to be in a situation, Adrian, where you're kind of rotating players like for like. Mm. And that's the whole beauty for, that any coach would want to want to develop in in in, um, in any sport is to try and get, you know, big talking points about certain positions and then, you know, be able to play one one week and play a different one the next week and really kind of have that drive and that, that kind of, motivation to go on and try and hold on to your place but I, I don't think we'll see wholesale changes and I think between here and now it's it's probably about developing more options hence Jeremy Lockman is getting a start there's a couple of areas you know Ian Henderson coming back into that second row shout gives you know James Ryan Ty, Ty Byrne 
um, that area a little bit more strength. It's 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 an area of concern for me. Um, I think midfield there's a lot of you know with McCluskey playing so well this year. Chris Farrell is out of the picture at the moment, um, but you know. You could argue that Craig Casey probably should be starting this game as well, even though yeah. it was a tough night for him behind the pack against um, against the New Zealand side. So, look, you can argue some of them there, um, but there's a couple of players that may, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against starting them against Australia next week. And you can still have the experienced guy, the regular starter on the bench to change it up a little bit. And and Joe Schmidt did that in 2018 and. Um, in the second test in Melbourne against Australia, he made four or five changes there. His bench player started, so maybe that will happen next week. Yeah, it might be an ideal prep. Quinny, thanks a million going. Uh, those chickens aren't going to look after themselves. They're all done. I'll bring up some eggs for you. Adrian. A few eggs would be perfect. Good man. Nice free range from tip. Good man. Cheers, Quinny. Cheers, lads. Um, right, we shall see. I think that will be the... I think this weekend it's just about getting over the hurdle and then... Uh, into the Australia game and that'll be sort of uh, one of the last major preparation games you would think obviously outside of competition um, ahead of the World Cup about eight games something like that left between now and then so let's see how all that pans out uh, 13 minutes past nine Friday morning you're watching OTBAM brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember effortless shave magnificent Mo you can sign up now uh, to Movember at Movember.com OTB Sports Radio across the day here's what's coming your way uh, this morning we're going to have a crappy quiz in a little bit you'll have a football kickoff as well from half past 11 where the lads will be looking ahead to the weekend's games marking your card as well uh, about their thoughts um, about how those uh, games stack up uh, 1 o'clock to be Gold will be Emmanuel Petit in conversation with Joe from a couple of years ago uh, Mount Rushmore is uh, South Dublin mm-hmm. Uh, is today's selection at 3 o'clock Dublin against Kerry from 05 is the classic game club at 4 and then at 6 o'clock the life and times of the great uh, Johnny Kilban is ought to be goal from 6 I did see somebody saying that if we were doing a, um, our statues in Castlebar I think it was Castlebar that Kilban Kevin the uh, Kevin variety uh, would have to be uh, have to be in the mix Fair or oh, Westport yeah 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 he'd have to be oh, he'd be up there surely and Johnny Kilban two Kilbans and then you'll have two of the Mayo footballer, football greats over the years Claire McDonald's yeah, yeah, swinging it, swinging it over from the left boot. Don't get into this because it's going to be controversial. Spectre core, Kevin Kilban statue in Castlebar. I mean, maybe he's just suggesting you put it in the main street in Castlebar. Fair. Just be done with it. Yeah, yeah, just Kevin. That's grand, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you'd have to get him back in Canada is the first thing. Of course. He loves statue in Toronto, looks, that's looks, soon enough. Looks unlikely. Yeah. Um, right, oh, we have loads uh, still to come. We're going to be talking to Siobhan Doyle, who's the author of this lovely book, A History of the GA in 100 Objects. And we won't quite do 100 this morning, but we will give you a bit of a flavour as to what's going on. That's uh, coming your way next. OTB. AM on OTB Sports Radio, Ireland's first and only sports radio station. OTB Sports Rugby. You know when you dream as a young fella, you want to play for Ireland, you want to play for Lens, you want to play for the Lions. I never even dreamed of uh, Captain Ireland. What did you dream? Sports gravy, mother's mother Sunday roast. Uh, <laughs> no, um, playing, just playing for Ireland. You know what I mean? It was never. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. All right, it is 18 minutes past nine. You're watching OTB AM. Delighted to have you along with us and thanks a for all the comments that are coming this morning across the various topics. This is a beautiful production. It's called A History of the GEA in 100 Objects. It does exactly what it says in the tin and its author, Siobhan Doyle, is in studio with us this morning. Morning, Siobhan. Morning, Thanks for coming in. 
uh, it's Crackerville book. It's like uh, eminently pick upable, and you can sort of dip in and out. You don't have to sit down and read it. I would recommend don't sit down and read it all in one go. What's your favourite item in the book? Uh, I can't say that. Oh, no. <laughs> so pick your favourite child. What do you think I want to know? It changes on a given day. Um, one of them actually is uh, Doreen McVerku. She was um, a GA, a sports reporter for Radio on the Gael Tukta. Yeah. And uh, she uh, used to go to matches on her Honda 50 and she used to ring in the results on like pay phone. Yeah. Um, but one of the objects is a press pass that she had to make herself because the stewards in the grounds wouldn't believe that she, a woman, would be reporting yeah. on the matches. Um, so, you know, the thoughts of her sitting down with her with her scissors and her paper and her glue um, trying to make this make-do press pass until her official one came through. Um, so that, to me, was a really important story to tell about, I suppose, the plight of women um, in when it comes to GA in the media and stuff like that. We've all had to make up fake ID at some point. There you go. <laughs> I've sort of picked out a few things that I thought were really interesting to talk about. So I think we'll just throw a few at you if that's all right. No bother. Uh, I've gone for number one as the first one that I've uh, picked. It's the wooden method and people will be able to see it on screen there. Like it looks like the obvious and that was kind of why it jumped out for me. Um, The design that Lee McCarthy is based off basically, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it's a four-handled wooden vessel that's in the collection the National Museum of Ireland. Don't have a date on it, it's just generically medieval. Um, But a lot of the trophies that we see are based on that design. Um, But wooden methers would have been used at like medieval feasts and uh, passed around so that everyone in the room could get a drink out of the cup. So we also get a bit of that in GA as well. We're not supposed to. 12-week ban. Yeah, Um, I wasn't aware of that actually. uh, Or if I was, I'd forgotten about it. Yeah, but I also want to include that to demonstrate that you know the the GA didn't just start on the 1st of November in 1884. It was, you know, there's lots of objects that represent um, times before that. So we have hair hurling balls from 800 years ago. We've we've paintings of handball being played in, in Monaghan um, from the 1700s. So there's lots of, of things, lots of objects around that predate um, the GA in 1884. And Lee McCarthy gifted it six years before his death and it was made by uh, jewellers and Grafton Street. That's right. There's all these little detail about yeah. this thing that just appears. Yeah that everybody goes oh yeah. sure that's that thing it's like yeah. always been there it's a lovely yeah. little detail and Leitrim the party poopers wanted the um, drink they wanted the what was the wanted to change so they were they were that point that you made about yeah. the van they so, were like we need to stop people drinking out yeah. of it and, and they quoted to curb the evils of drinking right. they wanted the GA to bring in cups that um, had a, a, a lid glued to them no way. so that uh, you know it couldn't be passed around so um, needless to say it didn't go through at Congress I can't believe Leitrim like it. I mean, it's just because they win nothing. They're like, ah, really Harsh, yeah, party. fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Croke Park map is the next one that I want to have a look at. It was showed up on screen there for people. And again, like, as I said, some of these things are about the item and some of them are about the story behind the item. But a really interesting uh, history of how uh, that ground came into the hands of the GA. Yeah, like we've a stunning national stadium today of international standard, but <clears throat> it came from humble beginnings. You know, a man called Frank Frank Deneen Brazel um, bought the grounds uh, at Jones's Road with his own money because the GA couldn't afford it. He sold his his farm in Ballylanders in County Limerick um, and loaned the GA the money to buy it. Um, an incredibly generous gesture on his part. So I just wanted to make sure that he was represented as well. Um, so that map of Crow Park um, very much tells the story of, you know, humble beginnings and, and now we have a fantastic stadium as the headquarters of our games. The um, It went to a vote of central, uh, central Council as to whether they should buy it or not. And yeah. it was like... 
scraped overwhelmingly through. through by a vote. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I think uh, if we have the picture there, we'll throw it up on screen just to give people a bit of a sense of the area at that time um, around Crow Park and the piece of land, the pocket of of it that the the Deneen guy from Limerick he had bought a section of it is that right and then more of it belonged yeah to exactly and and they gradually started buying more and more when it came up um, but the hill is named after him as well um, it's called Deneen Hill 16 in oh, his right. name but it kind of gets lost because it's just handier to say <laughs> the hill yeah, yeah. Um, so it was important that you know his story is brought through as well that's uh, it's probably a bit far away people get a bit of a sense of the blue bit was the Deneen bit and then the rest of it was belonging to the yeah. Jesuits whatever the case exactly. might be it's a lovely uh, lovely little story around yeah. that um, the Dublin County Board minutes and uh, the Secretary's report particularly that appears once a year at the minute and everybody gets great reading out of is a great thing to read but that was one of the other ones and particularly how it pertained to the selection of county colours yeah, which so is again one of these things that just appears and you just accept it as norm but yeah and it's something we mightn't even think about so yeah. in 1913 the GA um, insisted that every team uh, formally pick their county colours um, so some teams like Dublin um, got to pick their colours so that was um, blue and white and that's what the minutes in the book um, represents Harry Boland was um, chairman of Dublin GA at the time so um, signature on the minutes yeah, and all it's exactly. incredible yeah so you know all these all these different people from history um, kind of kind of creeping into these objects as well mm-hmm. um, but I suppose the whole point is to show that you know it might just be you know, to look at it on paper it might just be a mundane, um, you know, report. But when we dig deeper, there's so many layers and so many stories to tell. You must have been driving up and down the country to get all these stories. Yeah, there must have been a like serious my, research. My trusty Corolla um, <laughs> brought me down roads and borings I've never been before. I'll probably never be again. Um, but yeah, I travelled the 32 counties. Um, I wanted to make sure that every county was represented, and uh, thankfully, thankfully it worked. But um, yeah, it was basically every weekend for about nine months. Um, but it was great crack. Yeah, a great I can time. imagine. Because you yeah. nearly have to be in person meeting people for these stories to really come yeah, through. It's definitely. one, it's one thing chatting on Zoom or, or the phone or whatever. Yeah. You have to meet up. And like where possible, um, I went to see the objects, whether they're in museums or private collections or whatever. But like that, when you're talking to people, when you're talking to the owners, um, you know, and you kind of gain a bit of trust, yeah. um, they give you a bit more, bit more information. The line that I loved from that thing was the description of how it all came about. After some discussion, it was decided to adopt as the county colours a light blue jersey with a white shield bearing the city arms, which I presume is the crest. Uh, and the assistant secretary was directed to register same with the Leinster and Central Councils and to procure quota- uh, quotations for the supply of two sets of jerseys. It's yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Like, as simple as that. So yeah. simple. Go, and there, there it is, yeah. You, you mentioned the chance nature of some of the other counties and how they came about their colours, including Cork. Yeah. Everybody would have been sort of assumed that the blood and bandage and all that stuff was, but it was real chance sort of encounter. Yeah, Cork, Cork wore blue and white for um, many years, and then um, during uh, the revolutionary years, um, with um, the their offices were ransacked and the jerseys were robbed, and they had to borrow them from another team, and then it just ended up in uh, red and Jeez. red and white. The same with many counties and many teams. Um, a lot of it came about from a clash of colours um, in a big match, and then one of them had to change, and they just stuck with it. Some of it is superstitious as well. They had to right. change, and then they won the match, so we'll, we'll keep wearing that jersey. Um, but there's loads of stories like that. Yeah, they're great. Uh, the overage minor players was the other thing from the Dublin <laughs> yeah. board. Yeah. It was like, geez, some things never change. Yeah, there was a lot of that back in the day, yeah. Um, one of the other ones I wanted to mention was the poster banning GA events. Uh, so this was the 11th of May, 1916, which in the historical context of everything that had gone two weeks beforehand yeah. is an incredible uh, 
piece to have included. Yeah, so um, posters were a really important way of um, communicating um, warnings and things to do and what not to do. Um, and one of the posters in the book is um, one, as I said, from 1916 that was banning GA events um, because, you know, the British authorities saw them as a threat, as, a, as an excuse for people to get together and plot other things. It's mad because that's, that's in the thick of it. James Connolly, I think, was shot in the 12th, like the next day. So you're, yeah. you're literally yeah. right in the middle of it. Such a yeah, in like. the take of it, yeah, absolutely. And there's loads of context around uh, how how all that came about. And then the other one that I wanted to talk about was the um, John Joe Doyle's goggles. Yeah, and the, there was also uh, another item which was the. Must have been like it was the first hurling helmet. Certainly yeah. looked like the first one. It was actually a motorcycle helmet. Was it adopted? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. Um, the goggles first of all were for belonged to a man called John Joe Goggles Doyle. He played for Clare um, in the 1910s and for Newmarket and Fergus. But he wore glasses, um, and there was no contact lenses then, no no um, helmets. So um, he made goggles to protect his glasses. They're made out of bicycle spokes and medical plasters. He just made them himself. It looks like. It might be a danger to you. Yeah, yeah. Itself. It looks like yeah. the bicycle spokes would do uh, much more damage than any hurl to his face. Um, but uh, yeah, very fondly um, nicknamed um, Goggles Doyle after that. And then in the 60s, um, we have um, in Cork, a player for UCC, um, he suffered a head injury and then um, he decided to take matters into his own hands and, and source a helmet but yeah. there were no helmets so um, he used a motorcycle helmet and uh, went on as a sub in a Cork County final you can imagine you know what people were saying on the yeah. sidelines who's this lad coming <laughs> yeah. in but um, you know even though helmets weren't mandatory until until much later you know it was only yeah. kind of recently enough 2009 um, you know there were murmurings of Head protection, like in the 1960s. Was um, yeah, because right. yeah, um, it's a very sad story. Um, Tip were playing um, Kilkenny in a in an All Ireland final in um, can't remember his 60s or 70s, but um, one of the Kilkenny players, um, Tommy Walsh, lost an eye in the All Ireland final. Right. Um, so kind of that kind of got conversations Seems going, right. and we see players um, starting to wear helmets. So it took something like that for for the conversations to start. That's the uh, sorry, yeah. I was very rudely flicking through the book as you were talking, Javon. That's what yeah. I was after. That's uh, give people an idea of exactly how uh, what that looked like yeah. is is there a feeling that that sorry which came first the goggles or the goggles the goggles came yeah. first is there a feeling that you're very sure about that <laughs> is there a feeling that that was like the first iteration of a of what ultimately became the helmet or is yeah. there is there yeah okay. like it took a while um, you know, it was still kind of frowned upon um, to, to wear protection and yeah. to wear a helmet. But Not um, only until very recently, culturally, it became like, yeah. you, you know, the hard man. Even yeah. Well, yeah. They, brought it into, they brought it in so that no matter what age grade you're playing on, you have to wear yeah. one, I guess. And it's true. bizarre to think, you know, that even the thoughts of going out without a helmet now is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Oh, that's incredible. What's the, is there something in it that people always talk to you about? What's the... Uh, is there a standout thing that people? Um, like John Tree Seven's line is getting a lot oh, yeah, of, okay. um, of lot of lot of talk. Um, you know, because it's one we kind of all identify with. Uh, it's pretty much iconic. It's very vis- visibly, um, visibly iconic. Um, John Tree Seven, a famous um, Limerick supporter, used to go to all the matches and spread the word of God um, by having a big sign with with the verse mm-hmm. on it. But that that actually came from uh, 1987 when he was watching Pat Cash getting the trophy at. 
Wimbledon and he spotted someone with a similar sign in the background. He said, I'm going to do that. Okay, yeah. right. And he got away with it for years. He sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good word it that way. It'd be interesting to see if you were to introduce that thing into Crow Park now yeah. with some sort of a statement. Well, there was a story of him getting stopped um, at a pretty big match, a quarterfinal or a semi-final a few years ago. Um, a steward stopped him and said, no, you can't come in. And uh, he didn't go into the match. He he walked off and went home. And then um, the GA had to come out, or, or Crow Park had to come out uh, the following week and said, no, you're more than welcome to come in. Yeah. But I think he was the exception. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they weren't encouraging everyone to bring in extremely large um, placards. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, first thing when you landed in, I was like, oh, I have a couple of things at home. I think it would be perfect. So yeah. I presume everybody's saying to you, I have stuff that, you know, so what's next? What's next? Um, I'd, I'd love to expand it to other sports um, because Ireland has an incredibly rich sporting history. Um, and as a historian, I kind of worry about all the stuff that's locked away in people's attics yes. and um, in museum stores and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely only, only the start of something. OK, well, it's an absolute cracker production. It's out in perfect time for Christmas. So uh-huh. I highly recommend if you're a GEA fan at all, uh, it's definitely the sort of thing you want for uh, the GEA fan in your life that you can dip in and have a bit of a read. It's some great information and lovely stories. Siobhan, thanks a million for coming thanks in. Million. Let's look at the next project. Cheers. Chat to you down the line. It is uh, half past nine. Uh, you've been watching OTBAM over the last little while with myself and Shane. Good man, Shane. Cheers. It, the weekend. Absolutely. Do you wear yourself. those things over the weekend? Or do you the dodgy shirts. For, for production purposes, you're like uh, I'd probably wear worse over the weekend. Oh, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out on the Saturday night and, and wear something dodgy. Nothing that's wrong a, with it. That's an indictment right there. Uh, we're going to be back with you Monday morning with uh, more of the good stuff. Of course, reacting to all the weekend sport as well. Uh, and a reminder that we're brought to you live each morning with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. You can sign up or donate now on uh, Movember.com. Needless to say, we'll have full reaction to all of that sport we've been chatting about this morning on uh, Monday's show with Ger. Uh, actually, I think it's myself and Nathan. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. We'll yeah. uh, see you on Monday morning. Good luck. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.